0: Welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, coming back at you now for our monthly preview show. So, as always, the goal with this podcast is to let you know about the upcoming titles, the comic market being one of the most interesting and unique in the world, being that we get told what's coming out two, three months down the line, we let you know what's coming out as a store, you tell us what you want to pre-order. It's always the best way to guarantee first prints, guarantee titles the day they come out, and hopefully it means that you won't miss out on some titles that otherwise might pass you by, but... Hopefully we've earned your trust now in terms of our recommendations and we can uh, we can guide you to the good stuff. So your host is always Alan, the owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. Uh, so your resident Mr. DC is here and of course my resident Mr. Marvel is here as well. Good evening Mr. Keith Miller, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, cannot complain. The weather we have had the past three days be the best three days of the year, would you not say?
0: I would wholeheartedly agree with that. It's... Uh, we even got out on Sunday ourselves for a little while, and uh, you know, got a little bit of an Irish tan. I we turned a bit red. Uh, I know you were uh, having a nice little weekend yourself uh, with the family.
1: Yeah, got up, uh, got up home. Uh, was down in Was down in Dublin for a seventh birthday party. Um, uh, a niece who was uh, very sensitive about turning seven didn't want to grow up. I mean. <laughs> no better man to talk to than me whenever that's a problem because I'm 43 and my next birthday and I haven't managed it yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, yeah, got, got headed up to the north coast then, up to the home place. Uh, got my uh, first night in oh better part of two years, uh, sitting in a friend's living room, uh, starting about 50 conversations, finishing none of them and drinking a lot of beer and uh, until about 4 a.m. Uh, so really can't complain. So, uh, it was it was very nice felt felt almost normal uh almost nice. normal um so uh that was good and uh, and so family played in a in a disc golf competition uh, my brother is uh, is a big uh, proponent of the uh i guess it's it's more of an american sport mm-hmm. it's like a cross between golf and frisbee you use a frisbee instead of a golf balling club and uh he's very much on top of of bringing that game to, to ireland and to the cosway coast um so he ran a competition. I, for the first time, won a prize in my uh, in my particular league. Uh, so uh, feeling feeling good about that, even if it was the third prize. Uh, and the bottom league. <laughs> a prize
0: is a prize. Prize is a prize, and of course you got to you know spend time with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mister Stanley.
1: Yeah, well, Stanley, yes, my nephew, uh, <laughs> did indeed. <dude>, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So he's in uh, he's in good form. He's in good form. He's uh, he's just got by being uh, being a wee bit sick, I think, for the first time properly in his two and a half years and uh, as a result he's taken to asking everybody how are you how are you feeling Keith? how are you feeling alan uh, you know in a very empathic and, and sincere way so uh, so that was lovely nice was to see lovely.
0: being raised right being raised right <laughs> i mean yeah our weekend was uh, probably a, a different weekend to your own and one that probably wouldn't interest you quite so much but you know i'll probably force a few people to turn off from listening to us here you know i'm a chelsea fan we, uh, we got home on Saturday night, Vicky and I, we had a few drinks, uh, we watched the Champions League final, watched Chelsea emerge victorious, and I'm pretty sure Vicky saw a very different side to me that I'm not sure she's altogether too comfortable with, lots of pacing up and down the room, lots of swearing at the TV, uh, I'm pretty sure our neighbours hated us by the end of that game, but totally worth it, and then we sat up and watched a wrestling event on Sunday night, on Sunday slash Monday, which was, was pretty fantastic as well, but yeah, uh, you know, I I have I have to throw those plugs in there, especially for wrestling, because it seems to be a pretty big thing in our store. We've just as many wrestling fans as comic fans. Go figure that one out. I'll get you into oh. it one day, Keith. I'll get you into it one day, or wrestling. At, or at forty three, have you decided? You know what? That's not for me. You know?
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't it whenever I was teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever the Ultimate Warrior and the Big Boss Man and Hulk Hogan and uh, Jack the Snake Roberts were were on the go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but. Uh, I never quite before before the rock and all those guys came in i got out of it mm-hmm. and uh, never never quite uh, got back into it i'm, I'm it's, it's interesting i mean if it was on the tv and i was sitting by myself yeah and there was nothing else on i wouldn't turn it over i mean that's high uh, praise right there i mean if there was nothing else
0: know. on there was nothing else on
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh you know but i enjoy the, the the cave theme aspect of it you know the the, the theatrics of it and, and there is definitely a certain level of athleticism but then you know i'm a martial artist and i'm not interested in mma competitive things really don't Mm -hmm. terribly turn me on you know yeah
0: Um, well that's fair that's fair but yeah we we very much enjoyed it i've managed to get thick into wrestling quite a lot in the last year and so forth and and it also appeals to my collecting urges as well because as well as obviously an extensive comic collection i've now started collecting wrestling figures as well and uh, Mm -hmm. let me tell you it gets expensive quickly
1: if uh if alan if we were around your house and there was nothing else going on we weren't there for a nice conversation uh, and you put a beer in my hand i would certainly sit and watch it with you
0: right you're invited around for the next pay-per-view we <laughs> will make that happen and we may even record it and just to hear uh here if we can turn him into a wrestling fan uh, <laughs> but we're not here to do that today we're here to talk previews and we're here to talk uh, DC, we're here to talk Marvel and of course go through the indie book as well so again these are the previews so this is the, these are the June books so we're recording this on the 1st of June, the, the pre-orders will be due in this in about 3 weeks time so We like to get this information out to as quickly as possible, so we'll go through the DC book, we'll go through the Marvel book, go through the indie book, pick out our favourite titles. I should say that there's also the previews board in the store that got written up today, so if you're popping in, these books will be available. You can have a flick through them yourself, just in case there's anything you think we may have missed. Uh, And again, those uh, recommendations are on the previews board, and I'll be firing up an article on the website in the next couple of days, just in case you don't want to listen to two hours, well, we've agreed an hour and a half, of our dulcet tones uh, this evening, so... Looking at the books at an individual level, first of all, I mean, it's it's kind of a frustrating one for me as a DC fan. I mean, I'll always do the DC intro and I have to wonder what is going on with DC's marketing department at the moment because the Marvel Solicits came out about a week and a half ago online. We got the Marvel and the Indie books, which get printed every month. We received those in our delivery last week. And here we were still chasing around looking for the DC Connect, which is their online uh, previews catalog before we started recording and, and we were able to source one but not even through dc itself so i do get the feeling sometimes that th- them doing this digital only now this only started when dc broke away from from diamond comic distributors and you know went their own way and set up their own distribution network but i think personally the absence of physical copy of the the solicits definitely hurts pre-orders i mean i would i would much prefer to hand the book to someone in store and say have we flick through and see what you think but but I digress. I mean, there's, there's still, there's plenty to love this month if you're a Batman fan, just like me. Hmm. Uh, with the new hardcover international collection, which sounds really interesting. There's, there's another title for the for the non-Bruce Wayne Batman fans, and also the kickoff of a new massive Batman event being shepherded in by James Ten in the Fourth. There's a lot of uh, interesting titles as well. You've got some comic sequels, the classic and beloved movie adaptations, not necessarily movie adaptations that I enjoy, but we'll get on to that. Uh, there's a new Black Label title for everyone's favourite intergalactic bounty hunter finally being given uh, the spotlight. There's an absolutely fantastic looking new title for the Clown Prince of Crime from a, a superb writer who it's great to see him actually doing some more DC. And also another DC icon gets the 80th anniversary treatment so the, 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 oversized, um, the oversized anthology series uh, similar to what we've had with Green Lantern, with Batman, with Wonder Woman and so forth. Throw in a few annuals. A focus on Suicide Squad before the new movie launches from James Gunn. Uh, DC are soliciting their free comic book day titles as well. We'll get into that. And there's a few nice hardcovers and trade paperback collections as well. And and you've got a very good month for DC. Now if only they bloody make their it easier to access their solicits.
1: You, uh You say everybody's favorite intergalactic bounty hunter. I thought Marvel were writing Boba Fett.
0: Oh. Interesting. I don't read. I don't read that Star Wars stuff. You've, you've tried. You've tried for pretty much. uh You've tried since of you I would say almost. But <laughs> he's he's a he's a B B level intergalactic bounty hunter. Well, please yeah. d- please don't switch off our podcast. It's okay for everyone to have their own opinion. Anyway, that's the DC book. What about the Marvel side of things?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's pretty much a business as usual month for Marvel in August, but that's not a bad thing. Whenever business is good. Um, just whenever we're talking about Star Wars Corner War, The Bounty Hunters uh, has, which, I mean, I think started really strong with the, the Zero issue. Um, and I've read the first of the, the Star Wars uh, Darth Vader uh, tie-ins. Uh, it, 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 it's, as, as an event, hit its midpoint. And my policy on that is that I'm sticking with the core series and with the books that I'm on already, Star Wars and Darth Vader, which are following their own storyline but collect connected to the overall event. I did um I did read the Star Wars Bounty Hunters tie in the prelude for that and I just it was so deep in, in their own story that I really didn't recognise too many of the characters too well and and that. But I don't think I'll be missing anything by by not picking up, for example, the Bounty Hunters or uh, Dr. Aphra, but sticking with War of the Bounty Hunters, the, the core series and uh, Star Wars and Star Wars Darth Vader. Um on the on the more superhero, uh, the, the four colors superhero side, we have a bunch of new number ones with interesting mini series kicking off and one shots. We'll talk about uh, probably throughout the podcast. Over in Spider Man's family, with the Sinister War is in full flow and amazing. Zdarsky's What If relaunch, which is Spider Man connected, comes to a close, but more to come from that label as far as I understand it and. We're celebrating ten years of Miles Morales. Ten years. Jeez, time That's flies. Unbelievable, yeah. Uh we have the penultimate issue of uh what I feel is a character best run with uh Al Ewing's run on Immortal Hulk. So issue forty-nine is the is the one before the last. And X-Men and their adjacent titles uh, are, are are pushing strong out of the much anticipated Hellfire Gala, which actually kicks off this month. Um and a certain first family whose appearance in the MCU was uh, recently teased and that Marvel celebrates the movies trailer are themselves celebrating their 60th anniversary with the return of a master craftsperson to, uh, to, the, to the Marvel uh, the Marvel fold. And for those who haven't been keeping up on the latest news, August will also see the relaunch of Marvel's Black Panther title with a new creative team of John Ridley and Juan Cabal. That's John Ridley of the director of the film 12 Years a Slave, current writer on the other DC uh, Universe comic book and also the next Batman series, which we've all been enjoying. For those of us who are tend towards being monthly readers rather than being trade readers, and I mean, I still think buying singles is the best way to support your local comic book shop. Wouldn't that be the case, Alan? I would heartily agree with that. So get a pull list and get plenty on it. Um, but for those of us, you know, who are doing that, be warned that there are several of Marvel's major ongoings that are seem to be skipping August. There hasn't been a reason given, but and I think we're expecting them all to pop back the following month, um, in September. But the affected titles are Excalibur, Nonstop Spider-Man, New Mutant, Sword, Shang Chi, Eternals, Champions, and the Reptile limited series. Um, so that's a wee bit. A wee bit disappointing there. Um, other than that, there are some fantastic trade paperbacks from all across the uh, the milieu of stuff that uh, that Marvel launches, whether it be uh, you know, Marvel, you know, whether it be the the I guess the on continuing ongoing series, Connections, or the you know some of the older X Men stuff or the Fantastic Four stuff from Jonathan Hickman, which is unbelievable new mutant stuff. So there's yeah, there's a whole a whole bunch of of cool stuff, including a collection of um. Alien Volume One, which includes Alien Number One to Six, which uh, we've enjoyed. I guess one to three of so far. So um yeah, a lot of lot of good stuff coming from Marvel. What about what about indie?
0: Well, in terms of indie, I mean, indie book. It, it almost seems reductive to say it because we say it every month, but it's true every month. There's there's a ton of great stuff. You know, lots of great looking stuff as always. Some new series. Uh, plenty of new number ones and especially some titles from creative teams whose work we've previously enjoyed. We, we always talk at coffee and here was about following creators rather than characters. And, you know, just as a slight digression, I had someone like that today who's been enjoying the James Tenney and Batman run. So they came in, they left with the Department of Truth, the first trade, because they want to check out, you know, the the other work of creators. So hopefully they'll enjoy that. Uh, there's some awesome looking hardcover oversized collections. I mean, my wallet is going to take a battering like you would not believe. And they're for titles that I already have in single issues. But these these uh, hardcover oversized mm-hmm. are just glorious looking. Uh, there's very much something for everyone. I think, you know, a lot of publishers are bringing good titles here. You know, it's not just Image this month or not just Boom. There's there's good stuff from pretty much every publisher here as well. And, and I see one of your favorite franchises has uh, got a new title that you're excited about, I believe
1: yes indeed yes indeed and we'll uh we'll have a little uh, a little yarn about
0: that later that we very much will so yeah strong month all in for all three books so we're going to break them down bit by bit you know and, and take you through what we're looking forward to the most uh again there may be the odd thing here that maybe we we don't cover but we'll try and be as uh try and be as thorough as we can i suppose but yeah we kick things off with the marvel uh sorry, with the dc book or should we kick off oh, the marvel slip book? Of the what the you tongue, think?
1: slip of the tongue you go ahead with the dc what do you it's think it's
0: yeah all right we'll, we'll go alphabetical then i like that word uh so yeah so unsurprisingly dc connect hit so again just google dc connect it's number 13 it'll say june 2021 and on the front you have this rather beautiful Lieber mayo cover which is uh solicit for a title coming out called batman the world which is
1: <laughs> of course whenever you talk about dc connect that's assuming you can find it
0: yeah, well, that's why I just said Google. Don't, don't look up the DC website. That would be sensible. But uh, if you Google DC Connect 13, you will find it. So, yeah, so this is a really interesting idea. So it's called Batman The World. It's an original graphic novel, which is going to feature all new stories from 14 international all-star teams from 14 countries. Now, sometimes when it comes to the big two, it can be a bit of a closed shop. I mean, most creators are either American, Canadian, or uh, British. You don't really see a lot of European takes. I mean, there was a great one recently called Batman: The Dark Prince Charming by Enrico Marini, who's Italian, and even that was like seen as a as a massive step forward. But in this one, we're going to be getting stories from uh, creators from Brazil, China, Czech Republic, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, Mexico, Poland, of course, the U.S., Russia, Spain, and Turkey. So there's way too many way too many creators here to even mention i mean some of the ones that that stick out i mean the, the us one is is a well-known team brian azarello writing Lieber Mayon own art so that's your batman damn team but some of the ones that i would certainly recognize from here the likes of um, from the czech republic for example there is a uh, peter kowalski who was an artist on a title called sex that i really enjoyed and also did a lot of the uh, the dark tower adaptations as well so That's one that I recognize. We have from Spain, uh, sorry, from France, Paco Roca, which is another one that I recognize, very cartoony-esque style. So essentially what this book is, so War on Crime Worldwide and a New Hardcover Anthology. Uh, All of the stories that they're going to be telling take place in the countries that they're from. So this is not... You know, a Czech creator's attempt to do it in Gotham. They're going to have Batman in the Czech Republic, that kind of thing. So it's it's the first of its kind for DC doing this. It is just going to be a graphic novel hardcover only. This is not going to be This is not going to come out in single issue format or anything like that. It's one hundred and sixty pages. Uh, it's got a very reasonable looking uh, price of twenty five dollars. So I'll probably come in around twenty two pounds oh. there, thereabouts. And some of the preview art looks fantastic. I mean, admittedly, they do lead with the first image which even as a Batman fan, I don't need to see anymore. Stop showing us the pearls, stop showing us the dead winds. We know, we get it. Uh, <laughs> but some of the other art looks great. I mean, the Chinese art looks really interesting, really mythical. You've got the French sort of cartoonist, almost Darwin and cook type style. Uh, you've got the Russia style there with what looks like sort of... Um, different posters being made looking at the batman what's the word i'm looking for here they used to do it in like during world wars and stuff like that propaganda that's what these posters, posters sort yeah. of look like which is really interesting so i think that looks really really cool and something a bit different as well rather than just your traditional there's more crime in gotham going on here people batman's gonna to have to sort it out so
1: i mean the idea of uh, the idea of of a uh, czech version of batman hanging off some of the gothic architecture in, in the middle of prague and the old town is uh is absolutely fantastic. I mean there's you know there's not as many uh ludicrously tall buildings uh for him to hop off as there are in Gotham but uh... and then the other thing I think is very very hilarious the uh, the 14 countries or the countries that they've listed they've listed alphabetically mm-hmm. apart from USA which they've put between Poland and Russia because obviously they didn't want to put Russia first. <laughs> So
0: funny! This is the content you come to this podcast for, people. These these uh, little these little hot takes, you know. I see what you mean. (laughs) Oh dear! Yeah. So yeah. So that's Batman the world. That's actually one of my picks on the board because, again, I'm a sucker, obviously, for any Batman title. And again, anything that tries to take a bit of a a different look at what is obviously such an established character and established world. But if you want that established character in that established world, we are going to be getting a brand new Batman crossover event. Now, this is not something you've seen an awful lot so far. What you'll normally have with things like Joker War, uh, as an example, is that the main story will be told in Batman. There will be tie-in issues, but they never use the word crossover. This is uh, actually going to be a crossover event, and it's going to kick off with a... Basically, an alpha issue, an issue zero, if you will, sort of setting the setting the scene. And this is called Batman Fear State Alpha Number One. So this story is, of course, by James Tenny the Fourth, doing such great work on the current Batman title. Interestingly, the artist by Ricardo Federici. Now that is an artist who I'm a big fan of, but tends to be a cover artist, doesn't do an awful lot of interiors. So I will really look forward to that. Does have a really cool cover from uh, Ben Oliver there as well with. Batman, Miracle Molly, and uh, Harley Quinn on the front, and what looks to be the Scarecrow. I mean, the redesign of the Scarecrow at the moment is fantastic.
1: It's oh, it's the stuff of nightmares. As, yeah, totally. I've never seen the Scarecrow. I think creepier than we've seen him. And this is obviously, this is obviously, uh, I, I guess the, the the point on what uh, they're doing and currently in in Batman. Uh, you know, with the Scarecrow and and Peacekeeper One, so we're going to be seeing. I guess, a move forward maybe towards the reality that we saw in Future State perhaps?
0: Very much so, um, yeah. I mean, we're seeing more and more of the establishment of Peacekeeper 1 through the through the Bat titles, Detective oh. and through Batman as well. So there's just, there's a great sort of connectivity to the Bat stuff at the moment. And and again, I, we've, we've talked about it before, about DC titles in general. There's just this great connectivity at the moment. And, and it's great to even see Poison Ivy starting to come in a bit more, obviously featuring prominently in Swamp Thing at the moment and was in the last issue of Catwoman as well so and for all you speculators out there of course there is a mysterious anti-oracle so it being james tinian of course there's a new character being introduced in this Mm. as well so
1: interesting i wonder anti-oracle what about the what about the character that uh that babs was up against uh in in one of those anthology books you remember the car was it virus or, or or whatever you called her maybe she has re uh re uh i guess branded herself or something i don't know you might be I'm right just,
0: there actually just... you'll you'll be setting speculators alarm clocks off now <laughs> Kate. they'll be going like what batman what batman issue was is this that was an anthology book what's that but yeah, yeah that, that was, was actually a my... really good story
1: it was i really enjoyed it the idea that uh that, that barbara sort of effectively made herself a mobile hacker you know she was you know she built stuff into your and they were one piece and, and had uh, yeah, all this cool stuff. Yeah. So I really, was really enjoying her, her character in that and, and likewise in, in the current Nightwing series. But isn't it funny that it took, it took Joshua Williamson to go, you know, following death metal to go right, lads, there is, you know, everything matters. It's yeah. all good. There's no such thing as continuity. It's all, it all just matters for them to actually go. We love continuity. It's almost like he, he pulled reverse psychology on, on the DC bullpen.
0: Yeah, he basically stepped away from his uh iconic flash phone and went, Look, I'll sort out this whole universe for you, don't you worry. And you know, obviously did a lot of that good work through that Infinite Frontier one shot. But yeah, just I'm I'm just I'm loving the connectivity. I mean you've you've had it for years as a Marvel fan. Marvel tend to deal more in the connectivity because, you know, they chose real world cities and real world locations and New York as the central hub. Whereas, obviously, in DC, you've got Gotham, you've got Metropolis, you've got Coast City, you've got Central City, etc. So maybe connectivity is slightly different, but I'm loving the interconnectivity at the moment and seeing little things that link. So, so yeah, so that's going to be the... There, there's no word yet on what the tie-in issues are going to be for that or what the, sorry, the crossover issues are going to be. I would imagine this will go through Batman, Detective, possibly Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Nightwing. Then again, will Tom Taylor get involved? I'm not sure he's sort of doing his own thing at the moment. So we'll keep an eye out for the the listings in terms of what's going to be connected to this, but this will be your starting point and I would imagine if you're gonna be a new reader, this will be a perfect place to jump on and, you know, see all the all the stuff Tinian's doing in Gotham at the moment. So but uh why don't you take point in the next one? You just mentioned um, Mr. Yeah, Ridley.
1: I was just gonna say, uh so John Ridley is currently uh, doing some fantastic work on the next Batman's second son. The uh the story of uh of uh, what do you call him, Jace uh, uh, Fox? Fox. Um, of the of the Fox family, the now the richest family in Gotham. Uh, it came out of the back of uh, again Future State, the next Batman. Uh, it was revealed that was that was Jace Fox, formerly formerly Tim Fox, wasn't it? A mm-hmm. uh, name. Uh, and so, second son is sort of exploring what has has led Jace to take up the role of of. of the second or you know, another Batman uh, that leads into so uh, I am Batman number zero by John Ridley and Travel Foreman uh picks up from that. Uh, and this seems to be the the debut of the, the next Batman in the in the core line, you know, and you know it's it's actually in, in real time. And it picks up immediately after the events of Next Batman Second Son, which is as I say seems to be the origin story as just thrusts himself into action. When the magistrates crack down and alley time begins, using armour he's found in the abandoned hiber, hi, hi, hibernaculum. There we go. Struggled over that one, but got there. So the edge of the new Dark Knight starts now. This is really interesting. I love what you know. I was humming and han about you know the future state issues, mm-hmm. but the next Batman Second Son has really got me hooked, and so I'm I'm in this for the long haul uh, for sure. So this is I Am Batman issue zero. And then I guess we'll get the we'll get the ongoing. There's a there's a, a variant cover by Derek Chu. There's a, a lovely looking variant cover by Dave Wilkins. And then there's a one to twenty five by uh, the formerly named Ricardo Frederiki.
0: Yes, indeed. So uh, essentially, who was doing the interior art for Batman: First State Alpha? So still banging out those one to twenty five character uh, variants, which I'm not too proud to say I've been collecting all of because, of course, I have. You got to take advantage of it sometimes in your actual comic store when you qualify for these variants but yeah i mean the the next batman stuff i didn't know what to make of it i wasn't that overly excited for it but it has been fantastic it was always the best part of the those oversized future state issues was the main future state uh next batman story second son like it's it's one that maybe we had four or five pre-orders for but by issue two, it's about 15 because people have heard such good stuff. And it's only four issues. And and if you are needing a catch-up as well, actually, the hardcover launches this month as well, which is going to collect all of the next Batman second son together, allowing you to get that origin that Keith talked about. And it's,
1: you know, it's, it's great. that it nearly inverts the, the, the Batman way of being where, you know, Batman's a loner apart from his family who are all people in costume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas in this... Jace is a loner, but he's surrounded by his family, who are regular people, and they have that that drama. Well, I say regular people, apart from being the richest family in Gotham, but in some ways they don't know what to do with that money. You know, you've got a a daughter who's got a who's got a real medical problem, and a and a, and a an overly smart uh, younger sister, and and then the, the the conflict between Luke, who I guess was Batwing, and and where that sits. And I guess he is Batwing. He he was in the second issue of Second Son and then uh Lucius fox who as we know is is a, a batman confidant or mm-hmm. was anyway so it's really there's a lot, a lot of a lot of layers and a lot of drama and and the, the family drama is as interesting as the as the costume drama um yeah. so well worth picking up
0: yeah cool so the next thing i wanted to throw a bit of uh, interest towards was i've mentioned some continuation slash adaptations of some classic warner brothers you know dc property movies Now, anyone who knows me or comes in the store, I'm not going to go into details here because Keith's probably bored hearing about it, but I'm not a huge fan of Batman 89, the Tim Burton movie. I think it looks great, it sounds great, it is not a good Batman movie. It's not even a good movie, but I'm not going to go into that. But these look really interesting, so they're actually starting a digital first series for Batman 89 and for superman 78 so the beloved christopher reeves uh superman and they're essentially continuing stories and some of it they've brought in original screenwriters and so forth so for the batman 89 one uh, this is going to be a brand new number one with a story by sam ham who was the original screenwriter of batman and batman returns so of course i'm straight off this because those movies are trash but the art looks good by joe quinones i will say but it's even interesting to me as well, like even here it says in the solicit, Gotham becomes torn into his citizens dressed as Batman and the Joker juke it out on the streets, and they talk about Joker still being alive in this, and the Joker died at the end of Batman.
1: Mm interesting
0: uh but yeah the the one that interests me more i have to say and this is so surprising because i'm more of a batman guy but superman 78 looks really wonderful actually it's a story by robert vendidi pencils by wilfredo torres so fly into director richard donner's superman once more in superman 78 it tells a brand new adventure in the world of the beloved film a bright shining day in metropolis is interrupted by a mysterious drone that crash lands in the city and starts wreaking havoc this looks like a job for superman but where did the Metallic Menace come from? What is its purpose? And who is Brainiac? And that is a great likeness of uh, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor on the cover there as well. So that 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 hits the nostalgia bone.
1: Are you more interested in, you're more interested in Superman 78 then than you are in, in Batman 89? I think so. I take uh, I'm just rereading here. Uh, it looks like they're both six issues. Yeah, uh, one of six. Six issue series. And uh, just rereading, it says rather than the joker being alive i think it says gotham becomes torn into As citizens dressed as batman and the joker it out in the streets rather than batman and the joker themselves um
0: yeah i bet you joker's still alive and that. they'll have found a way they'll have found a way
1: <laughs> i don't know i mean i have i sort of have a soft spot for for batman 89 i mean uh michael keaton's fantastic uh i think he's very very good especially as, as bruce wayne um and, you know, I, th- I don't think maybe you would have Batman the way you have Batman now if it wasn't for Batman 89. I oh, mean, that I, was a, yeah, that's
0: that's a fair you know, statement. Yeah. Um,
1: but even in the comics, Batman wasn't as popular then as, as now. It was kind of a fairly low key character, actually, prior to the, the movie, um, you know, constant, but not not the same sort of fandom as he does now i don't think so oh yeah There's something to be said for it oh i know said.
0: that i mean when you go back and look at the the impact it had on the world and batman was everywhere the impact it had on merchandising especially oh uh, tell me about uh, it, it i
1: bought most of it <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't doubt it, uh, it's important in the Pantheon. Maybe it's just I've been so spoiled by, you know, such great Batman stories since. And because uh, when I was a kid, like, it was one of my favorite movies in the world. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was the best thing ever. But just as I watched it more and more, I was like, this is not Batman at all. But, uh, but anyway, I know there's plenty out there that love it and plenty who will be excited for this. So uh, don't you worry. I, I will not let my personal, you know, prejudices mean I don't stock it in store. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I stock plenty of Star Wars stuff, don't I?
1: that's just because you don't know any better (laughs) (laughs) but uh i'd
0: mentioned earlier about uh everyone's favorite intergalactic bounty hunter so we're on the bob no i mean we're on the lobo now so superman versus lobo number one this came sort of out of nowhere this is this is not going to interest keith in the slightest because of three lovely words prestige plus format so this is the the big label the silly size label of of black labels so But yeah, this looks really interesting. Certain Man vs. Lobo number one. It's a story by Tim Seeley. So, of course, co-writer of Grayson along with Tom Keane amongst many other things. And also uh, a writer, Sarah Beattie, who I'm not as overly familiar with. But the art and covers by Mirk Andolfo, who's someone I've become a lot more uh, interested in. I absolutely love Mirk Andolfo's art style. So for this one, it's going to be three issues. And it is what happens when an indomitable force meets an irritating object. That's what readers find out when Superman runs into Lobo. Think of it like a boy scout joining a biker gang. What will be worse, the damage Lobo causes on his own or the chaos of trying to stop him? I smell a team up fanboys. So I think this looks really, really cool. I I like the oversized black label format. I've never had a problem with it. Uh, Mirko Andolfo's artwork on a bigger scale works for me. There is a variant by Simon Bisley, which is good to hear. Obviously, so synonymous with the Lobo character in general, so it's good to uh, to see that he will be working on that. So, not a Lobo guy, I'm guessing.
1: Um, my experience with Lobo's daughter Crush in the last issue of last couple of issues of Teen Titans Academy is more experience than I've had with. Lobo. I think the only experience I had with Lobo was Wolverine kicking the crab out of him in Marvel versus DC back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have a lot of experience with them. However, you you did mention Tim Seeley uh, and you did mention Grayson, so that could be an attractor there. Uh, Sarah Beatty and Tim Seeley teamed up on Money Shots recently by from Vault Comics.
0: Yeah, I did read issue one of that and uh, left it at that. It was uh, it's not my kind of book. Is is all I'll say. But I but I like, but I like Tim Seeley's stuff in general. He does uh, Hack Slash, I believe, as well, which is uh which is a pretty sweet image title. So Ooh. but yeah, like the format, like the idea and uh, and again I'm a big fan of Mirkondolfo's art, so uh, I think I'll definitely be on that. But but that does lead us to uh another black label title, I think. I think is a black label? Maybe it's not, maybe it's just a regular DC, but it's not Prestige plus format Keith, you'd be happy to know. And this Ooh. is this is my pick of the month, this is on the board, this is definitely my most excited title this month, and that is The Joker Presents A Puzzle Box. So, the reason straight away this has my attention is Matthew Rosenberg is on story. So, Matthew Rosenberg, a writer, we've we've loved his work for a long, long time, been doing wonderful, wonderful stuff with Marvel Comics, still is doing wonderful stuff with Marvel Comics, but has been also doing some Grifter backups and Batman Urban Legends, you know, and and sort of slowly dipping his toe in the DC world. Well, now he's going to be launching a brand new seven-issue miniseries with pencils by Jesus Marino and Joshua Hickson and a really sweet cover by Chip Zdarsky. It's almost like Chip helped facilitate Matthew Rosenberg into DC. It was like... I'm doing Batman Urban Legends. I need a backup. Oh, I've worked with this guy before. He's brilliant. So really cool cover by Chip Zdarsky and the solicit sounds great. So it's story time that GCPD discover a mysterious corpse, a magical box and a murderer's row of the city's most dangerous villains sitting in a jail cell. Now all they need to figure out is what actually happened. Fortunately, one suspect is willing to talk unfortunately it's the joker now superstar writer matthew rosenberg magnificent artist jesus moreno and a multitude of rising star artists invite you to spend the night in the gotham central interrogation room for a dozen tales of murder mayhem and mystery as told by the clown prince of crime himself can you solve this puzzle before the sun comes up so yeah i have a feeling this this is going to be a big title this this is definitely the standout for me this month with with dc that level of talent involved the, the the hook of the story sounds really interesting gorgeous covers as well so i think that's definitely one to uh to get in your pull list the earlier the better
1: yeah i mean as you say matthew rosenberg on this so i mean that that's i'm I'm sold so already um one of seven i think mm-hmm. and uh one of your variants is by riccardo Frederici again there's um, that man again. So he's all, all over the place. Uh it's a slightly more expensive title coming in at the seven dollars. Um but yeah, very interesting. I mean if, if the Joker's involved, I mean he's the he's the ultimate untrustworthy narrator, you know. He, mm-hmm. you know, you can't you can't believe a word he says, or can you? Um so Well it has that
0: seven dollar price point for the card stock variants, but the main title cover, which is Chips uh, Chipsadorski, it's just a five dollar title. And it is going to be hitting forty ah, pages as okay. well. So
1: sorry, I missed that. I, uh, I was, I was, I was upselling it there.
0: <laughs> well, if you do fancy, I mean, DC do these really cool cardstock variant covers. They do hire the top artists to do them. They are always at least a dollar, maybe two dollars more expensive, but they are, they're like inexpensive pieces of art, is how I look at them. But if you do just want to stick with the main cover, uh, cover A, which Chip I think is doing all of them one to seven, it's uh, it's just a five dollar title and that's for 40 pages. So essentially, it's like a like an annual sort of price point and content amount. So, but speaking of slightly more expensive issues, but also really cool anthology issues where
1: <laughs> and and the first. Non Batman related issue we're talking about tonight.
0: Well, Superman vs. Slowboat didn't have Batman, so
1: okay, okay, fair, fair.
0: Just fair. about, but yes, we're gonna leave Batman behind <laughs> now. You're happy to know he will come back again once we hit. Yeah, he will come back again. But anyway, we'll 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 step away from the world of Gotham and into the Seven Seas. So. I've spoken before about DC doing these really great 80th anniversary, 100-page, super spectacular issues. They get a whole host of talent in. They do anthology uh, format. They do maybe 10-page stories. Eight creative team, eight creative teams contributing to it. And um, we've we've had Batman, we've had Superman, we've had Wonder Woman, we've had the Flash, we've had Green Lantern. Well, now we're going to Aquaman, and this is the 80th anniversary special, and again, just a great array of talent working on this. You've got, on writing duties, you've got Dan Jurgens, you've got Jeff Johns, Chuck Brown, Stephanie Phillips, Marguerite Bennett, Jeff Parker, Francis Manapul, Art from the likes of Steve Epting, Paul Pelletier, uh, Valentin Delandro, you've got uh, Miguel Mendoza, Evan Doc Shaner, Francis Manapul again, and much, much more so. After defending the Seven Seas for eight decades, it's time to throw Aquaman a party. This all-star-filled anthology spans across the Ocean King's legacy, not just celebrating his own triumphs, but also those of his greatest allies and enemies. We look at his ongoing romance with Mira, his bitter rivalry with Black Manta, his brotherly conflict with Ocean Master, and the inspiration he lends to younger heroes like Tempest and Jackson Hyde, the newest Aqualad. It would not be an Aquaman celebration without also looking at how he's changed over the years, including a brand new tale of Bombshell's Aquaman. This special brings together Aqua talent past, present and future including reunited fan favourite creative teams such as Jeff Johns and Paul Pelletier uh, Dan Juergens and Steve Epstein alongside Dan Waters and Miguel Mandonca plus two of the stories are prequels to two new Aquaman miniseries launched in September kicking off another 80 years of undersea adventures so what I find with these 80th anniversary specials is even if their characters I'm not overly interested in I find these as great sort of Great event books that will give you sort of the best of the character. I mean, Green Lantern's a good example. I'm not the biggest Green Lantern guy. I am trying to change that. I recently picked up the Jeff the Johns omnibuses to give them a go, but the eightieth anniversary was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant and it covered all the different Green Lanterns as well. So I have high hopes for this. I, I love these books so far.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm a fair weather Aquaman fan. Um I was on it for I was on it from the start of Rebirth mm-hmm. uh, for a good long time, and then uh, was it whenever Kelly Cidaconic took over? There was was it Kelly C. Mm-hmm. Or Am I misremembering? No, um, no, she took over. It went it went a wee bit squiffy and was so so far removed from what had been before. It kind of threw me off a wee bit, and I stopped. What's interested me here? I mean, uh, given given those creative teams, I probably will pick this up. You know, even at that higher that higher price point, and it's that nice square bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know like urban legends currently is um but what's interesting to me here is the two new prequels to to aquaman miniseries launching in september uh and what the who the creative teams selected from this bunch are that will be on them because i mean if there's there are two new the, the creators will be listed here you know the story and the artist so who those creative teams are could be could be critical to whether or not those aquaman miniseries are interesting or at least added to my pull list
0: <laughs> well yeah the the future state aquaman title was really really good so i would i'd recommend i could even throw of my issues you can give it a wee read but it was only two yeah, issues okay. but it was actually really good sort of four color adventure under the sea it was you know just pure adventure storytelling rather than end of the world type stuff but i i really really dug the the two issues there so mm. i'm assuming possibly one of those miniseries would then lead because these here are sort of telling the stories leading up to future state Maybe that's what they'll do. So, And I believe the Aquaman ongoing had stopped a little while ago, so you'll probably get a main Aquaman miniseries and then maybe one leading the future state. Meh. So we shall see. But uh, yeah, then you've got a, a bunch of annuals hitting this month. So annuals are always good examples of certain characters, just they tend to be one-shot stories. They tend to have maybe a slightly different creative team or a different artist on there. So some annuals hitting this month, including Batman Superman, including Green Lantern, uh, including Harley Quinn, Suicide Squad, but the one that interests me the most is actually Midnighter is getting a annual. Now, they they have three little three little bylines here, and all three interest me. So the conclusion to the Action Comics serial, so the backup stories in Action Comics, a prequel to Superman and the Authority, which is a title we talked about last month, and guest starring Mister Miracle. So straight away, I'm mm. on board it's going to be written by Becky Clunan and Michael W Conrad and art uncovered by Michael Avan oeming who's so well known for PARS. Mm. so i think out of all of them this is the one that looks the most interesting and also a little bit different from the norm of dc
1: yeah i mean maybe i think dc are definitely ahead uh, above marvel this year with their annuals marvel i think have uh, i think they've they've bottled it with the with the annuals they've they've the story they've got a story running through all the annuals the infinite destiny storyline which i'm not in the least we've interested in and so it's almost pushing me off the annuals for the because i would normally if i'm collecting a book i would have the i would collect the annual as well but it's because i'm not it's running through all of the annuals and i'm not collecting a good half of those stories i wouldn't normally be getting those annuals so obviously i think the tactic is to try and get you to buy all the annuals mm-hmm. maybe get you into the books Whereas I'm going the other way and going, well, I'm not interested in the story, so I'll maybe not even bother getting the annuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, you know, this you can sort of pick and choose, which is what you want to do with annuals. And I mean, for me, the most interesting one here is Suicide Squad um, by uh, Robbie Thompson and Dexter Soy. uh, And it stars uh, Connor Kent, uh, who I find to be a really interesting character from his introduction back in uh, the, uh, you know, the death of superman era uh you know connell and the the kind of uh jacket wearing you know floppy haired round round sunglasses wearing uh, superboy uh but i mean he's he's become something else since he was reintroduced in action comics and he's now i believe been recruited by amanda waller so um uh, he sneaks into a top secret task force x black site and he finds he's, he's going to find out a little more about himself and his origins and stuff so uh, that looks kind of that looks kind of interesting, I've got to say, just because I'm interested in that particular character.
0: Yeah, and then moving along from the annuals, you've got a big focus this month on the Suicide Squad, obviously with the Suicide Squad, James Gunn-directed movie coming out. So they're releasing these things called Suicide Squad Case Files, which are going to focus on different characters. So these are going to be essentially reissues of classic told stories. So, for example, there's one Case Files number no. 1, written by Jerry Conway, art by John Byrne and seems to focus on Peacekeeper number two is by John Ostrander uh, Luke McDonnell that seems to have a focus on Harley Quinn Captain Boomerang Rick Flag etc there's a bunch of different solicits for different uh, trade paperbacks but they've redone the covers obviously to throw them more in line with the movie but the one thing I will recommend time and time again it's already out it shouldn't need a movie to uh, lead you to it because it was absolutely brilliant. And that was Suicide Squad, Bad Blood by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, which was an absolutely wonderful uh, 11 issue miniseries. The yeah. the hardcover of it's already available. We have that in store. And if, if you want a great Suicide Squad story with some of those established characters, but also introducing new characters, you really can't go wrong with that.
1: Yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, totally, um, totally with
0: you there. Totally with you there. And then the next thing just to focus on is free comic book day. So free comic book day this year is going to be in August. And basically what it is, is so free comic book day through previews catalog. So we've already had the, the Marvel stuff solicited, the the indie stuff solicited. We've got those all on order already, but they're now soliciting through DC, the uh, free comic book day titles from DC. And the focus of course is on Batman again, Mm. but uh, this again, looks like it's going to be tied into that fear state, but it's also going to have a little bit of a preview of i am batman the the john ridley one we talked about we never actually mentioned on that i am batman i'm just noticing it here looking at the cover of this that logo design for i am is fantastic it's mm-hmm. the top part yep. of the bat symbol that is really cool uh so yeah so the batman free comic book day special edition is written by john ridley and james tinian art by jorge jimenez and travel foreman so again it's going to focus on those two series. And then there's also a uh, Suicide Squad free comic book day special edition written by Tim Celi and Bran Azzarello with art by Scott Collins and Alex Malev. And that's going to focus on King Shark. And it also includes a first look at a, a new Suicide Squad title coming out soon called Get Joker as well. So so that's pretty much it for all of the, the newer titles we've got. then all of the the ongoings, unlike you know Keith had mentioned with Marvel, some of the ongoing titles were taking a break doesn't seem to be that way with dc uh it seems to be continuing business as normal you've got your new action comics you've got your new batman you've got issue three being solicited of that batman reptilian if there's one title i can recommend that has already started by the time we get to this month the preview art coming out for this is amazing which is batman reptilian written by garth dennis art by liam sharp i know garth dennis can be sometimes an acquired taste with his writing style but honestly the art just looks like peak level arkham asylum dave mckean levels it looks absolutely brilliant um you've got batman urban legends continuing i think that might be the last issue of that batcat continuing so you've, you've all the the titles you come to expect in terms of the ongoings um and then moving on from that you you come to the back of the book and you've got your trip paperbacks and your. You've got your uh, omnibuses as well. There is one specific omnibus that really appeals to me this month, given my you know, love of collecting omnibuses these days. But uh, there's a Batman No Man's Land omnibus hitting, which is one of my favorite Batman events, all about how Gotham gets hit with an earthquake, essentially cut off from the rest of the world and becomes its own state. And it's just an unlawful state, as you can imagine, with the Bat family trying to control it. It was a it was a bit of a inspiration for the Dark Knight Rises. They certainly you know took some elements from it, but I can't recommend the uh, the overall story itself. of have, have you ever read
1: it? I have read bits and pieces of it, but the 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 entire epic always uh, always drew me. Now I have to say so. Uh, so yeah, I'll be. Uh, I, I did look at that one myself as well as well, Alan. Um, yeah. 100%. Well, the thing, the, I mean, the
0: thing with an omnibus like that is I can't recommend it enough because I know Marvel probably did it as well, though I'm not as overly familiar, but DC back in the nineties and the early two thousands, they kept doing these crossover events that if you go back and try and collect the single issues of to read it all, it is impossible. I mean, this this No Man's Land omnibus contains material from no Man's Land, Batman: Shadow of the Bat, Batman, Detective Comics, Azrael, Agent of the Bat, Batman, Legends of the Dark Knight, The Batman Chronicles, Young Justice, Robin, Nightwing, Catwoman. Trying to go back and get a reading order together is impossible for these types of things. Nightfall's the same. Um, there's uh, Bruce Wayne Fugitive is another. So they did these company line-wide events that were brilliant to read if you were collecting them week on week. But going back and trying to get them just proves a little difficult. But given that Greg Rucker contributed an awful lot to No Man's Land, I think it's something you'd certainly, uh, you'd certainly enjoy. And don't you worry, I'll have that omnibus. I'll happily lend it to you.
1: Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. I, Absolutely. Fantastic. I'm
0: still in your debt a little bit, given your uh, very kind uh, lending of uh, Invincible to me. So I'm still in your debt. <laughs> still in your debt.
1: Very well. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to muck the repayment of that. <laughs> uh, no problem.
0: But yeah, tons of tons of great graphics there. Too many really to mention. Uh, I'll just throw out a wee bit of attention for the the Hill House comics. They've only been released as hardcovers so far, but they're going to be hitting the trade paperbacks. So you're not long coming up to Halloween at this point. These were all different horror stories, you know, written and drawn by the likes of Laura Marks, Kelly Jones. Um, you had obviously Joe Hill himself, and these some of these were fantastic stories. Really, really enjoyable. And then one last thing I'll just throw out attention for, simply because it is one of the best things ever committed to paper, the Saga of the Swamp Thing box set is being released. So $120 price point for this, but this is all of the Alan Moore uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing volumes, and all six volumes, genuinely one of the best things you will ever read. Uh, This is something I think will interest you, Keith, given how much you're enjoying the Ram V stuff. It's heavily influenced by this, so... uh, can't recommend that enough as well
1: yeah again something I've, I've read bits and pieces of but uh but i've never have never completed um so i will look forward to that i, I think it would be remiss of us to leave behind the dc uh, book without uh mentioning that uh if you're reading dc books and you're not reading nightwing by tom taylor and Dondo just get on it just put it in your pull list and probably like the likewise for teen titans academy uh, I mean, I might be biased considering they both uh, featured Dick Grayson quite heavily, but both absolutely fantastic books.
0: So I thought you were going to go all in there and say, if you're not reading Nightwing, take a look at yourself.
1: <laughs> I mean, you said it. I mean, I was thinking it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, just to, just to throw a bit, a bit of love then on a couple of other titles quickly. I mean, Swamp Thing is reaching issue six at this point. Ram V, Mike Perkins doing some great stuff. James Tinian's uh, Nice House in the Lake hits number three. That's his new horror title that actually launches this week in in the store with a brand new number one, and the pre-orders are big on that. Joker continues. Flash, yeah, there's there's tons of great stuff. You know, we'll we'll be getting into the the Superman Son of Kal El stuff with uh, Tom Taylor there as well. So, tons to look forward to. As I say, DC did not make it easy for us to get a look at DC Connect this month, but. There really is such a wealth of content. You know, even Rorschach is almost at its end at this point with issue 11 out of 12. It just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, so tons of great stuff to look forward to there. Again, this is the only book that we won't have in store because it is online only. But if you Google DC Connect number 13, you will at least get a link to a download. And who knows, maybe in a week's time, they'll put it on the official DC website. Mm. We'll see how they feel. Anyway, I can now take a breath after all that. Tell me about the Marvel book.
1: No problem at all. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's 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 plenty of good stuff uh, going in here, but I'll I'll start at the start. Um, normally, you know, you've get the, the the book kicks off with the you know the new the newly launched series and the the the, the big ticket items. So uh, and that's what we're we're doing here. So we're we're starting with the the celebration of the uh, the 60th birthday of Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four. Um, it's a titanic 60th anniversary issue and John Romita Jr. is back at Marvel. Uh, the entire Kang bloodline is out to destroy every era of the Fantastic Four. We got some time travel coming on here. How can Reed, Sue, Ben and Johnny hope to survive simultaneous attacks across their timeline by Ramatot, the Scarlet Centurion, Kang the Conqueror, and Kai- Kang's final descendant, the Sinister Scion, who I don't know if I've seen before. Uh, join the FF and some special surprise guest stars as John Romita Jr. returns to Marvel and joins forces with the writer Dan Slott uh, for this celebratory adventure. Marvel's first family will literally never be the same again. I love uh, that phrase. Oh, yeah. Plus, Mark Wade and Paul Renaud uh, deliver dramatic insights into the origin of the fabulous foursome in this all-new tale. Um, yeah, just just looking, looking great. Uh, cover by Mark Brooks. There is a variant cover, as there is by a lot of Marvel issues this month by John Romita Jr. Um, there's a variant cover by Elizabeth Torque, hidden gem variant cover by Jack Kirby, uh, Paul Renault's in there, Betsy Cola. and uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 looking pretty good. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you're still not you're still not on the Fantastic Four, are you? You're still not quite taken, you know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, it.
0: I'm just gonna grab. I've got three of them in the store. I'm just gonna go and grab Volume One hardcover. I'll, I'll, you talk about it enough. I'm just gonna have to bring that bad boy home. Read the first twelve issues and go from there.
1: Dude, yeah, it's 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 all right for a color Fantastic Adventure. We have we have
0: the first four issues at home, but unfortunately they're in a frame because the first four issues of Fantastic Four had four Scotty Young variants, and each one yeah. was a different member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> so of course I had to bring those home for Vicky. Of course they're in a frame.
1: Oh, of course. Well, I mean, it's—I mean, it really is, you know, comics in the in the mighty Marvel manner, as it were, you know. But uh, following up on that, we have John Ridley, uh, previously mentioned this podcast with his work on uh, "I Am Batman," uh, the 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 next Batman. Is this uh, Batman.
0: is this his first sojourn to Marvel, or has he done some other stuff?
1: Oof, now that is a question, and you can quickly Google that when I uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I look at this solicitation. So. Black Panther 1 by John Ridley and Juan Cabal. I mean, that's that's a team. Cover by Alex Ross, and what a cover it is. It looks like a wraparound cover. Variants by Simone Bianchi. Headshot variant cover by Todd Nowick. Uh, John Romita Jr. variant in there. A, a couple of them, in fact. And a variant cover by Scotty Young, who we just mentioned. New creative team, new direction. Uh, the long shadow starts here as John Ridley takes over the Black Panther. Academy, Academy Award-winning writer John Ridley and Stormbreaker artist Juan Cabal uh, launch an all-new Black Panther series in an action-packed espionage story that will upend everything in T'Challa's life and have ramifications for the entire Marvel Universe. Secrets from T'Challa's past have come back to haunt him. Ooh. Fresh from returning from his travels in space, so that's uh, tanahisi Coates' uh, recently finished run. Black Panther receives an unexpected and urgent message from Wakanda. I'm Wakanda, a Wakandan secret agent. Easy for me to say. Now T'Challa must race the clock, not only to save his agent, but also to keep his true agenda under wraps. Because if the truth comes out, it could cost T'Challa everything. So, uh, yeah, this is. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love. Although I love Tanaho, Tana Coach writing, I didn't love the concept of of uh, the Black Panther in space too much. Uh, so this coming back to more of a I guess a, a superhero espionage sort of a sort of a thing is, is great, but also great that you know they they've they're connecting it on to the end of that run, you know. They're they're not just ignoring what, what what's gone before. Mm-hmm. Continuity is continuity is everything. So yeah, looking looking great, excited about this. Um
0: well hopefully that's a case similar to Thor when Donny Cates took over. You know, it was he definitely took in a new direction from Jason Aaron's stuff, but didn't ignore everything that had come before. Uh just yeah, to answer John Ridley, he did one short story in Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number three, but other than that, this is his full series debut. And again we talk about following creators. Juan Cabal was the artist on Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man. Yep. So what did sold do on yep. that?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the, the the Spider Hat family uh, of books are having a lot of fun with the Sinister War. There's nothing really on those for part three and four. What do you need? The the art is Mark Bagley. Uh, there's a I guess there's a connecting cover variant by Mark Bagley, so uh, you can't go too wrong there. But uh, I think we're going to see the uh, the wrap up of the uh, uh, I guess the Kindred saga in this, uh, all by Nick Spencer. Uh, and uh, running through into the uh, the main Amazing Spider-Man title with tie-ins. Kang the Conqueror seems to be pretty heavy in, in Marvel this week. We've already heard that he's uh, he's the main villain in Fantastic Four thirty-five, the 60th anniversary uh, issue, but he's also got his own five-issue miniseries uh, starting this month by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Uh, but Notably, art by Carlos Magno, who uh, you may remember from uh, the uh, Invaders mm-hmm. miniseries. Um, Mr. Zdorsky. A lot of uh, variant covers in this. Mike Mundo, uh, Stegman, Scotty Young, uh, and a whole range of uh, Stormbreakers variants. But it's the origin of Kang, and good luck to them. Because <laughs> if you've ever seen the Marvel history of Kang, it's, uh, it's fairly interesting. The man called Kang the Conqueror has been a pharaoh, a villain a warlord of the spaceways, and even on rare occasions, a hero. Across all timelines, one fact seemed absolute. Time means nothing to Kang the Conqueror, but the truth is more complex. Kang is caught in an endless cycle of creation and destruction dictated by time and previously unseen by any but the Conqueror himself. A cycle that could finally explain the enigma that is Kang, and a cycle that begins and ends with an old and broken Kang sending his younger self down a dark path. So this, uh, I mean, if you're interested in Kang the Conqueror and... If you're a Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, aficionado, as we all are, his first appearance is going to be in the New Ant-Man and Wasp movie, uh, Quantum Mania. Uh, seems a strange place for Kang the Conqueror to first appear, but Kang—I mean, if he's anything like the the, the, the comic Kang—could very much become uh, a Marvel Cinematic Universe big bad, uh, to you know, up there with up there with Thanos. So, and he is—I mean, he is the 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 time traveler, the time conqueror. Uh, and that would fit very well with what happened in uh, in, in Endgame. So this is uh, not quite getting on on the ground floor with Kang the Conqueror, but certainly proclaims to be the origin of Kang. Looks gorgeous. The interior art looks phenomenal. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the uh, with the, the writers on it, but nonetheless, I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be picking this up. What about yourself? Any any feelings on that, Alan? Yeah, I mean, given
0: how much I love the Ant Man movies alone, then I'm on board with this it <laughs> to It'll be, be a very different
1: feel. this is likely to be much more uh epic and time spanning i mean kang started off as the pharaoh Ramo, ramatot mm-hmm. and ended up as uh immortus who was more like a, a time wizard and, and more of a, a neutral party or you know and, and, and then in between he was a variety of different uh, he has a, a potential link to reed richards and reed richards father it's, it's really interesting stuff well i mean if Again, we always talk
0: about fallen creators and so forth. I know you're not overly familiar with them, but this writing duo actually did a brilliant Boom series. It was actually just before Boom became as big as they did, but it was called Joyride. And it was it reminded me of Saga a little bit with its world building. And it was Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. They wrote it and their artist on it was Marcus Two, who's worked on the Lights and Nightwing and so forth before. But it only ran for like 12 issues i think um yeah hold on let me just see here it might have ran for about 15 but it was a brilliant brilliant book so it's not it was 12 why did i doubt myself uh Mm. yeah but it was a boom studios title before boom studios became boom studios if you know what i mean you know the way they've obviously had this meteoric rise in the last two years but it's definitely worth going back and checking that out so it is uh again yeah called joyride so i enjoyed that i'll definitely give this a go five issues not a Character I know an awful lot about, so sometimes that's the best way to go into these things. Hundred
1: percent. And uh, speaking of things that you didn't know an awful lot about, you were on the uh, Warhammer Forty K Marnus uh, Calgar series, weren't you?
0: Mm-hmm. It was indeed, uh, and we're getting another title. So obviously, Marnus Kalgar went down well. It's a brand new creative team for this one, which is Torin Gronbeck on writing. Uh, Torin
1: Gronbeck, who is best known currently for the work on uh, alongside Jason Aaron on. Gian Valky. foster valkyrie and the mighty valkyries
0: yeah so going to be writing this one and then the artist is edgar salazar so this is called warhammer 40k sisters of battle number one so again we're we're not warhammer as far as i know you're not either i mean we're not massive warhammer guys we know a little bit about the lore but not an awful lot and mornius kalgar was an excellent starting point It was kieran gillen writing that one Uh, which was really, really class. Uh, Really enjoyed that. So I'll definitely jump on this. So no doubt I'll pronounce about 10 of these words completely wrong and Warhammer fans will have my head. But a squad of Adepta (laughs) Sororites led by Canonus Viradion arrive on the planet Siskia to retrieve a lost inquisitorial acolyte and put down a heretical uprising as Novatite, Oh, this is terrible. This is like the worst thing I've ever tried to do.
1: Ah, <laughs> you're doing so well.
0: As Novi shit, <laughs> Gita's first mission with her order gets underway, which should be an easy mission, turns into something much worse as an unknown force deep within the subterranean city of the planet rears its ugly head. It's no-holds-barred action, mystery, and demon's glory as an all-female military voice uh, force lets boulders blaze and flamers scorch in this all-new saga. Show your faith and fervor to the Emperor by joining us for the start of the next phase of Warhammer Comics. So clearly Marvel have big plans for Warhammer. The first one has went down well and now we're getting the follow-up series.
1: So yeah, count me in for that one. Mm, glad to see they're they're sticking with this, this license and, and giving it the the time and, and, and room to breathe that it, that it deserves, I think. Um,
0: and then you turn the page and here's Keith's most anticipated title of the month.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to skip past Deadpool, Black, White and Blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Doc, Tom Taylor, Ed Breeson, and, and James Stokoe were on it, uh, along with Will Spottasio and Phil Noto uh, on uh, on art. So, I mean, it, it's a hell of a team.
0: They're doing their best to bring you in, aren't they? They're doing their it's best. A,
1: yeah, it's a hell of a team, but I'm not a huge fan of the of the black and white with a little bit of color format. It's not. Wolverine's,
0: it. Wolverine's been good so far, and Carnage, yeah. I mean, the second issue was brilliant when you had great creatives on it, but... Yeah, there's going to be five issues, but at least they're starting strong with this one and putting their uh, strongest creative teams up front. I mean, Will Portacio hasn't done anything Marvel for a while, has he?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, noto has been all over uh, Cable and, uh, and that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this is... It's- it's going to be a hard one to ignore, but given it's Deadpool, uh, ignore it I shall. Well, let's ignore but...
0: that and turn it to the aforementioned uh, X Man you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you are a Deadpool fan, then certainly don't don't follow my lead on this, because uh, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. But yeah, uh, the man who uh, eventually was forced to team up with uh, with Deadpool uh, and was way better than way better than that fate. Um, Cable, the original Cable, the big gun is back in uh, Cable Reloaded number one. It's a one shot. Uh, it's finishing off or it's part of uh, Al Ewing's Last Annihilation, which is running across Sword and uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and including this one shot, Al Ewing, Bob Quinn, covered by uh, Stefano Caselli. Um, and Rob Liefeld is also doing a Deadpool 30th anniversary variant cover, if you're interested in that. see see previous statement for my interest in that. Uh, <laughs> The big gun is back. It's a new era in era, a new galaxy it's, that's under siege from a deadly new threat, but you can still rely on one man. Cable is locked, loaded, and landing on the deadliest planet in X history to steal the ultimate weapon and stop the nast, last annihilation. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, in the X-Men up until now, you know, Cable has been the, the younger version of himself in, in the miniseries Extermination. Uh, a, a young version of cable came back and eliminated our cable the older version uh, because he wasn't doing his job uh, so now we have arguing reintroducing i mean he, he has been slowly but surely been been reintroduced in the ongoing cable series but now we have this cable reloaded one shot i think we're seeing the return of our cable to the uh, to the marvel uh, universe and I see that the 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 younger cables ongoing series seems to have stopped by August, so uh, I don't know if that could be a that could be a good thing. That could be a good thing. Um, next up, and sticking with Al Ewing, I know one you're interested in uh, Alan and Defenders. Yeah, this, this is this uh,
0: this is one of my five picks on the board. I mean, the creative team alone would be enough to get you excited about this. With you know Al Ewing, as you say, on writing duties, Javier Rodriguez on art and covers. such a wonderful job with uh, the history of the marvel universe and for this i mean this is a a new lineup for the defenders and it has silver surfer contained within so straight away that has my attention surfer is so underutilized in the marvel uh, universe at the moment one of my personal favorite characters i mean such a great character even peach momoko can do a great variant cover there uh but yeah so this one is going to be a five issue mini series kicking off so When existence itself faces extraordinary threats, it needs an extraordinary defense. That's when you call the Defenders. Doctor Strange and the Masked Raiders. So that is a continuation of Marvel 1000, I believe, yes? Yes,
1: which was also by Al Ewing. So clearly he has a plan, and uh, I'm glad to see him picking it back up
0: again. Finally getting to uh, make good on that. So take a a non-team of Marvel's weirdest, wildest heroes on a mission that will uncover the hidden architecture of reality itself. Uh, this cosmos was not the first to exist, but it's the but if the Defenders contract Marvel's oldest villain through the deepest trenches of time, it might be the last. So who would be Marvel's oldest villain?
1: Well, I mean, I think again that was teased in uh, in, uh, in Marvel One Thousand as well. Um, the the whole idea of the Eternity Mask uh, and its origins. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I don't know. I mean, in in the past, I've been really interested in the Defenders and then been a little bit disappointed. Because sometimes they have played the Defenders as a bit cookie, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they've played maybe Silver Surfer, who was one of the original Defenders members, as a wee bit on the on the cookie side, and he's far from that. Uh, and likewise with Doctor Strange. But uh, yeah, I'm really interested, and in, I've been hurt before, but I'm really interested in in picking this up. I was I was very interested back in the '90s whenever they started a series, an ongoing series called The Secret Defenders, which mm-hmm. was was a continuation of the Defenders, and every. Every arc, Doctor Strange assembled a different team from various uh, characters in the Marvel Universe. Some of them were D-list characters, some of them were A-list characters, and they, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is five issues by Al Ewing, and and you can't go too far wrong with Mister Ewing. I mean, just a quick question regarding Defenders. I mean,
0: obviously you had the the Netflix Marvel shows and the Defenders lineup, and that was Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. That seems a very different level par set from these defenders is is, is that something the avengers titles always played with
1: uh the defenders the defenders has a long history um was originally introduced in 1971 and it was always led by doctor strange and, and the original team included hulk and namor and also the silver surfer and it had a re- rotating lineup you know for about i think about 15 years with the doctor strange and the hulk usually being the constants in there and various, uh, people rotating around them. Mm-hmm. Um, then later on, as I say, there was from 1993 to ninety five, mm-hmm. there was a the secret defenders where Dr. Strange assembled different teams. Uh, and it wasn't until later down the line that things got a little bit closer to the, the I would, I mean, I would call them the Marvel Knights defenders uh would be that you know that team made up of daredevil jessica jones Luke cage and iron fist but mm-hmm. i mean i really that team was only titled that for the netflix for the netflix series and oh, it was okay. probably probably an appropriate name for them you know um but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say it ever they, they ever had that that sort of marvel knights-esque lineup yeah uh, as i recall um yeah, just
0: pure, pure curiosity more than anything because you you've basically up both different ends of the power scale right there. You have got your street mm. level heroes sort of thing, and then you've got people off defending the galaxy essentially. So, just, yeah, uh, I mean, just curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the last time, the last time, the last actually, I mean, I I misspeak, actually. The last time we saw the defenders, um, Is it
0: the last it was defense.
1: defense. It, the best defense, defense. Mortal Hulk, Immortal Hulk name or Silver Surfer, and that was, I think that was all uh, it was, one could, shot issues. Yeah,
0: you could read them in any order, sort of thing.
1: But there there was a 2017 book mm-hmm. that featured Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, but it was more based off what happened in the Netflix series than the Netflix series being based off of it.
0: okay.
1: Do you know that sort of way? So, uh, so yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a Marvel that constantly pops up you know what I mean? It'll never, the defenders will never die. It'll always appear in one form or another. And yeah. Dr. And Strange will probably be at the heart of it.
0: Fair, fair. So from one D title to another D title, and again, one of your picks of the month up next then.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the five issue mini series, another five issue mini series here uh, by Kyle Higgins, who is currently doing fantastic work on uh, images, radiant black. And woof, what a, what an issue that was last week. What an <laughs> issue for he's
0: He's making his, uh, he's making, sticking his claim for in the title of the year with that kind of kind of level.
1: And uh, I'm really glad he has taken an interest in Dark Hawk with the, the recent uh, Dark Hawk Heart of Darkness one shot and so forth. But we've really, what we've got is a five issue miniseries here it says, who is the all new Dark Hawk? Connor Young is a 17 year old basketball player with the world ahead of him until a surprising medical diagnosis changes everything. But what happens when a mysterious amulet finds him and gives him powers beyond belief? What will he do with these new abilities? Uh, Galen on the ground floor as Kyle Higgins, Rise of Ultraman, Radiant Black, and uh, Juan and Ramirez from Web of Venom start a new era. Uh, I mean, and that's that's interesting in, in, its, in itself because, I mean, to my mind, Dark Hawk already already has a I guess a, an owner or a, an alternate. Uh, an alternate identity and chris powell christopher powell who was the original dark hawk so uh, i don't know what's happened to chris and that's that's sort of what's interested me uh, so i'll be interested to see what what happens there but yeah five issues of the return of a, a classic 90s marvel hero uh, really looking forward to really looking forward to that one i have to say um moving on then i see they have avengers take on tech technically tech tech, tech tech on Uh, one of six by Jim Zubb, I think that looks like something of a follow-up to that uh, Kaiju-E type one that you were looking at yeah, Avengers
0: Strike, which has been pretty great so far, it's uh, Jim Zubb as well it's, uh, oh no, it's Jed McKay, sorry it. Uh, but it's been really, really good, but this looks to be something certainly related to it at the very least, looks to be drawing in Thanos to this one as well, so written by Jim Zubb, art by Chamba, which uh, is not someone I'm overly familiar with, Uh, worked on Venom the End and Street Fighter uh, so yeah, this looks this looks cool as well. I mean, Marvel are really going strong here this month on the mini series, which is interesting. Say, they are. Yeah. So this is this is six issues. Uh, when the Red Skull wields a strange new power that strips heroes of their powers and threatens the entire world, the Avengers turn to Tony Stark's experimental new technology to save us all. Here come the Iron Avengers. Avengers Tech on sleek high powered tech suits, bristling with energy and amped up attack power, face off against supervillains enhanced to match. It's mix and mayhem in the mighty Marvel manner. So yeah uh transformers meets avengers i'm in
1: Ooh. perfect and dipping into the spooky side of the uh, of the marvel universe we have spirits of vengeance spirit rider number one which is a one-shot by uh, writers taboo and b earl uh, an art by paul davidson uh she's like no ghost rider you've ever seen that uh, a sorcerer supreme a spirit of vengeance and the savior of johnny blaze's soul blaze has been through a lot lately uh, from ascending to the throne of hell ne- to nearly murdering his former Ill- allies in the Avengers. But his nightmare is far from over. Something or someone is haunting him. And only a ghostwriter with the powers of a sorcerer supreme can find out why. The dynamic writing duo of Taboo, of the Black Eyed Peas and B. Earl expand the Rider mythos with an action-packed special that will kick off a brand new era of vengeance. is about to be the hottest thing in hell. Uh, looks interesting. It's a one-shot if it's kicking off something. Ghostwriter-y, I'm, I'm in. Um... They just keep teasing you with ghost
0: Rider stuff don't they but just they not, do, yeah just not yeah. doing an ongoing
1: no not at all I, I sort of feel like a, like a no Kushula from somewhere uh, she may have been in a in a doctor strange miniseries before or something but uh, I, I could be wrong so uh, so moving on before I'm proved wrong <laughs> um, uh, pushing on through those annuals I was talking about that I'm a wee bit disappointed with uh, with Marvel for their uh, their formatting and uh, we're pushing on into uh, uh, a little deeper in the spider-man corner and we've got a an annual that i'm not disappointed in uh, and that is spider-man life story annual number one by chip Zdarsky and mark bagley you'll remember we don't have to mention it don't have to talk about it the spider-man life story series by chip Zdarsky that remains one of our favorite books of the last few years and has been followed up recently by the uh, fantastic four life story uh which uh, We've read the first uh, issue of, um, and it seems to be going uh, quite well by Mark Russell, but the uh, Spider-Man Life Story Annual is a special encore return to the world of Spider-Man Life Story by the original creative team. Spider-Man, he's a threat, he's a menace, and J. Jonah Jameson Jameson will do whatever it takes to make the world see it. But in this companion piece to last year's hit miniseries, Spider-Man Life Story, will the decades of obsession bear fruit for Jonah or be his destruction? sadarsky and bagley reunite for this story told in a world where marvel's beloved characters edged in real time so this could be uh this could be brilliant yeah i mean can't 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 look sideways away from that one on
0: yeah i mean i have I've two points to make on this uh definitely we have the fact that uh, there's going to be an upcoming couple of days where keith has very kindly managed uh offered to mind the store as vicky and i go over to, to see the family over in england if you know anything about Keith when he runs the store, it's that he recommends Spider-Man Life Story and our, our sales of that title go up through the roof during that time. So if you need a little bit of a 101 on it, leave it to that day because it's absolutely astounding. <laughs> but the other thing I have to say on this is, damn you, Marvel, I'm going to have to have a cover A and a variant because the cover A by Chip Zdarsky is stunning in its simplicity as always in case in J. Jonah Jameson behind sort of the spider web of Spider-Man's suit. But look at that John Romita Jr. Variant cover, oof! Spidey yeah. hanging upside down within the spider webs, just an absolute. in, in the rain, beautiful. Oh, and, and, and Vicky's even looking over my shoulder here at that variant cover when I, when I mentioned John Romita Jr. You know she's been a fan for a long time through, in, in a different way to you, Keith. Obviously you you know him so well through his Marvel stuff. For Vicky, it was through kick ass and Hit Girl, and and on from there. And then of course just meeting the man and him being a thoroughly wonderful human being just uh solidifies that so spider-man life story annual yep definitely having two you covers might, for that.
1: One. you might see something very very special with that alan from me because to me you can't you know you have to buy the at zidarsky original cover mm-hmm. obviously but there's also a mark bagley variant cover and a john romita jr variant cover
0: are we going for a hat trick here this well this?
1: we'll see you, you could convince <laughs> me you could convince me so so moving on through uh, all through the various uh, you know uh, individual series, um, there's some there's some great stuff in there, but we'll we'll not go into it because if you're not on it by then, you're probably not going to be on it. Including uh, Iron Man, we've got Gamma Flight, as I say, tail-ending the, the Immortal Hulk as well. We've got the uh, the uh, the Star Wars uh, War of the Bounty Hunters stuff. The ever fantastic Strange Academy hits its its twelfth issue. Daredevil continues under. The uh, guiding hand of Zdarsky and Tichetto on the number thirty-three, but into the uh, into the hardcovers and the collected editions, and I see here the What If the original Marvel series omnibus volume two hardcover, and it makes me wish that it is an early solicit for September, but it makes me wish I'd gotten volume one, uh, the hardcover because this is the original uh, this is the original What If series from nineteen seventy-seven, and you know what I might I might seek it out yet, but. Says, complete your collection of the classic series in which Marvel's best and brightest posed the eternal question, what if? The results were action-packed, thought-provoking and often tragic twists on the Marvel universe you know. How would Peter Parker's life change if Uncle Ben or Gwen Stacy had lived? If his clone had survived or if Aunt May were bitten by the spider? What if Reed and Sue and Ben and Johnny never gained their powers or there were no Fantastic Four at all? Imagine if the Thing and the Beast continued to mutate. Matt Murdock became an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Captain America became president phoenix and elektra did, don't die but the yellow jacket and the invisible girl do dazzler becomes the herald of galactus wolverine kills the hulk iron man's trapped in the past thor meets the conan the barbarian and much much more collects what if from 1977 23 to 47 so we'll maybe have a chat about getting uh seeing if you can get your hands on that uh that volume one and then we can talk about volume two alan but uh yeah it's, that that stuff was just great i mean and uh rob liefeld recently went around how uh how marvel are using uh the original 1977 version of what if is the playbook for the marvel cinematic universe and he he had some interesting theories there i have to say can't uh can't fault the man intriguing intriguing
0: i mean yeah i mean those are always great those those are the equivalent almost of what we were talking about about annuals you know they're one-shot stories but because they can be twists on on original ideas or original continuities, they're just they are interesting in that sense i mean come on who doesn't want to know if aunt may had been bitten by the spider that <laughs> yeah, just sounds great
1: it. uh swinging on to uh to the uh to the x-men corner there's a lovely page here again it's an early solicit for september but it's the hellfire gala red carpet collection hardcover uh there's a Laraz cover a pepe Laraz cover and a russell Dodderman cover but this will be collecting all of the important issues of the the hellfire gala so uh, x-men marauders excalibur x-force new mutants uh, x factor Hellion, sword wave x x corp wolverine planet size x-men and the hellfire gala guide 352 pages hardcover 75 dollars the x-men are rolling out the red carpet for the biggest cohen event of the season but this high class hardcover details every drink dance and dalliance and deception at the hellfire gala so it's a nice way to correct to collect the, the Hellfire Gala by Hickman, Jerry Dugan, Teeny Hard, Benjamin Percy, Mattia Ayala, Leah Williams, Zeb Wells, Al Jung, and Sai Spurrier. Um looks really good and it's on the same page as the House of X and Pars of X hardcover and the X of Swords hardcover, which are also available. So if you have a spare 225 quid, you can probably, you know, pick up all of those and be fairly up to date on, on all things uh, Hickman, Hickman's X Men.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, that's definitely all the important stuff. House and Powers being the lead-in, X of Swords, the first event, and then Hellfire Gala, the more recent stuff. I mean, uh, I've I've just spotted a wee uh, omnibus there that would intrigue me in terms of classic X-Men. Uh, maybe you can probably shine a bit more light on it, but it's the uh, X-Men Mutant Massacre omnibus. Mm. Uh, now, I mean, I'm just looking at the talent involved in this alone, which I see Chris Claremont, Walter Simonson, Anne Nesente, Jim Shooter, John Romita Jr., Alan Davis, Barry Windsor-Smith, Mark Silvestri, David Mazzuchelli. What is this, and why have I not read it yet?
1: Uh, Mutant Massacre was a classic, remains a classic, uh, I guess, Claremont-led uh, X-Men story, and what happened was it was the introduction, or or certainly the, uh, whenever the, the Marauders, uh, Mr. Sinister's Marauders, went into infamy as Sinister sent Sabretooth and the Marauders into the underground to attack and and commit genocide on the morlocks mm-hmm. the x-men x-factor and the new mutants of, of the time uh unite to go down there and stop them uh but they do so at very very high cost uh we have the classic uh battle between um oh a uh name name escapes me storm and uh oh, what do you call her the head of the morlocks can't even remember it slipped my mind uh, there's a classic knife battle where you see you know, storms, the benefits of storm growing up on the, on the, you know, the rough streets, uh, angel loses his wings, uh, which leads directly into the creation of archangel. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, it's a heavy cost, but yeah, great, great omnibus. And if you haven't read that story, I would, I would highly recommend it. I mean, the, the art is just phenomenal throughout uh, and the, the writing talent, you, you, you just can't beat that. Look at that list. Yeah, I might, just, know, might so just have to indulge in that as well. And why not? So, for me, moving uh, moving out of the the classic superhero stuff, I mentioned earlier on the Aliens Bloodlines trade paperback by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvatore LaRocca, picking up the first six issues of the new Alien series. Uh, we've really been enjoying that, so I would I would highly recommend it. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the first issue, first six issues bring and then lastly we have spider-man spider shadow trade paperback uh, so that's chip Zdarsky and uh, pasquale ferry the, we're currently two issues into it it's a five issue miniseries uh, you know what if spider-man had become venom effectively and even more excitingly than that relaunching the uh, the what if brand uh, at marvel so very exciting stuff so yeah just as i said action packed uh, action packed month from uh, from marvel in in august could go further shant
0: <laughs>
1: and you don't need to because the book will be
0: in the store at all times you can continue having a look through that yourself and if you're popping into the store and yeah there is there's more beyond what we went through there but it, it is a testament to how packed that uh, that uh, marvel book is this month so yeah so that's the dc side of things taken care of and the marvel side of things taken care of so We'll run you through the, the indie book, and again, the indie book is obviously an oversized previous book. I mean, it, it would be impossible for us to go through the entire book, so we're going to go through the different publishers, pick out the ones that have caught our attention. There are a few of them that have been put onto the board as some of our picks of this month as well, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely spotlight those, but... We'll kick things off with, I believe, one of your picks. We're we're starting off with Image Comics, and this is a brand new number one, I believe, you have on the board this month.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, by JH Williams III and W. Hidden Blackman Blackman uh, on uh, writers, and then uh, artists JH Williams III and Dave Stewart uh, on that. It's an August twenty five release. It it's solicited as fantasy, action, adventure, science fiction, horror uh, for uh, for fans. A high fantasy epic featuring sweeping Feast for the Eyes artwork and perfect for fans of the Sandman Promethean Saga. And it's Echolands number one. It's uh, the major Image Comics uh, 2021 event. The story uh, of Earth's last war starts with Hope's sticky fingers. The multiple award-winning Batwoman team, J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman uh, reunite for an all-new ongoing series. They're joined once again by colour supreme Dave Stewart and master letter Todd Klein. In a bizarre future uh, world that has forgotten its history, a reckless thief, Hope Red Hood, holds the key to excavating its dark, strange past if only she and her crew can escape a tyrannical wizard and his unstoppable daughter. But fate will send them all on a path leading to a war between worlds. Egolands is a landscape format, mythic fiction epic where anything is possible, a fast-paced genre mash-up adventure that combines everything from horror movie vampires to classic mobsters and cyborg elves. Uh, to Roman demigods and retro rocket ships, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Uh, it certainly looks like it. Uh looks like, looks like something else. Now, I mean, the landscape format, interesting. Interesting
0: doesn't always mean good to you, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, I mean, the last time I remember reading landscape format, it was uh, X-Force 16, I guess, the Spider-Man X-Force crossover, mm-hmm. um, which I was happily able to get a Stanley... Uh, autographed version of uh thanks to uh, andy and uh slabbed, thanks to your good self and cgc but uh, that's the last time i read it and it, it can just be a wee bit distracting it uh, depends
0: how they format it for me if they have it in a traditional comic format but then you just turn it and you're flipping yeah, it almost I like a calendar yeah, i don't like that idea but if they actually bind it where normally the top of a comic would be, and it's sideways and it flips that way. You know what I mean? So you're reading left to right rather than top to bottom. I think it could actually really work. But
1: I can't see them doing that. I can't see them doing that too. See, it takes they did a lot more doing than you think.
0: But they did that for a. There was a really good brand, Cave title called The Private Eye, and he mm-hmm. released it originally through his uh online store, which is Panel Syndicate. But they did a hardcover book and that's how they did that they bound it sort of in the thinnest side and then it, you read it left to right rather than top to bottom but it doesn't state either way how this is going to be but it would be, i think it would be a shame to to move on from this title because of the format because the art looks glorious uh the colors yeah, are really exceptional does. yeah the imagination the detail the yeah this this looks thoroughly wonderful i mean i've you don't normally see such a, a multitude of comic artists and writers on Twitter highlighting one title from the previous book. But when this got announced, this was everywhere from every creator you can think of. Like They were blown away by this. So I think this is going to be a big,
1: big title. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I, 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 I complain about the possibility of the landscape format being annoying, but I've selected it as, as, as one of my picks of the week yeah, uh, for sure. And I can't, I can't argue with Neil Gaiman, who says it's every fictional word each with its own artistic style intersecting and exploding with G H third magic and crackle i can't wait to see what he and Hayden blackman are taking us into a world in which anything can happen and undoubtedly will uh so yeah this is this is really interesting the, the main character you know has a bit of a, a nod towards a little red riding hood maybe mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's a lot going on really looking forward to this i have to say
0: Yes, yeah, so that's Echo Lands number one, sure to be one of Image's biggest hits this month. And another one that definitely is worth talking about, and again, is the, the pre orders in this are already starting to, to be big. There is going to be a new Spawn ongoing title launch, which is Keen Spawn number one. So this is launching with an oversized issue, 56 pages. So it is going to be a $6 price point. Uh, so this is uh, this is basically Todd McFarlane making good on his promise to expand the Spawn universe. There is going to be a title coming up first called Spawn's Universe. Uh, but Keen Spawn is the first new ongoing Spawn series since 1992. So we can look forward to that. So it's written by Sean Lewis and Todd McFarlane. The artists working on this, Javier Fernandez, Brett Booth, Philip Tan, Stephen Segovia, Todd McFarlane and Marcio Takara. And I'm not the biggest spawn guy. I don't know enough about it. I, I find it hard to approach it because of its 300 issue plus run at this point. But I have to say, based on the preview art, this looks pretty great. Uh, it's a beautiful cover, uh, beautiful artwork. And it is saying that this is a perfect for longtime fans and the jumping on point for the next generation of readers. So I think that's going to be a pretty big title. Again, the, the pre-orders for that are already big so i mean you're not much of a spawn guy either are you it's same thing no, just so big i
1: was back when it back when it launched in 1992 it did it did pick up uh you know the first i think six issues or something um you know and and, and i picked up a couple of trades uh that were released and i, I sort of enjoyed it but then I, I dropped off it and i haven't picked it up since uh and you, there's just there just doesn't seem to be any way in it seems impenetrable yeah um I don't know, maybe I, I maybe pick this up just out of interest because it also seems interesting. You know? mm-hmm. so, well, I, I'll pick it out of, out of interest because it seems interesting. Well put together sentence there. Good job. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we'll... Uh, it does say perfect jumping on point for the, the next generation of readers. Um, so yeah, let's have a look. See what happens.
0: Well, we'll move on from a, a maybe might give that a go to a, I think this is all going straight on our pull lists. And again, it's all about those creative teams. So... This is a a pick from Vicky that's on the board. So this is a title called The Me You Love in the Dark. This is going to be a five-issue miniseries. And that creative team is writer Scotty Young and artist Jorge Corona, the team that did Middle West. (laughs) And wow, what a book Middle West was. So this is uh, described as a horror drama romance. It's uh, the tonally dark storytelling of favourites like Lock and Key and Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard book, paired with the emotional depths of Middle West. Sold. So Writer Scotty Young and artist Jorge Corona follow up their critically acclaimed series Middle West with a brand new haunting tale. An artist named Roe retreats from the grind of the city to an old house in a small town to find solace. An inspiration without realising the muse within is not what she expected. Fans of Stephen King and Neil Gaiman, like they're setting the bar high here, mm-hmm. uh, will enjoy this beautiful, dark and disturbing story of discovery, love and terror. The preview pages look thoroughly excellent as you'd expect.
1: And- Scotty Young just does such a good job of pairing himself with artists that are like with them. They're you know yeah, I mean? almost They're,
0: extensions of his style. You yeah, know. they it, have their own their, style, but yeah, yeah, with their
1: own feel. You know, yeah. whether that be Alberto Ramos on uh, on on Strange Academy, Academy, or whether that be you know Jorge Corona on this and, and Middle West. It's it's so good, so good. Uh, the me you love in the dark. You were having trouble with that in the board earlier on.
0: I was I, I you you put an element of doubt in my mind when you said is it the me you love in the darkness and I was like oh, I've written down dark here but you've got me wondering though so uh, you were
1: right you were right yeah
0: we're we're definitely looking forward to that uh, I see the next one is one that uh, I think you had highlighted as well I don't think I made your picks on the board but it wasn't far away
1: no uh, second chances uh, by uh, Ricky Mam- Mamoun and Max Bertolini. Crime and mystery, action and adventure. All things that you like, Alan. I think it's a black and white book as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly. Uh, yes, definitely. It's a black and white book. Second chances hotline. Call now and get a new identity. Uh, all you need is some cash, a proper referral, and a very good reason to start over. Uh, sounds a wee bit like time before time up until now, anyway. <laughs> uh, you know. the. Uh, when LeBlanc, uh, the man behind the hotline, is approached by a shady figure from his past, he's forced to accept a new client who doesn't meet any of the requirements, a client with a chemically induced amnesia uh, in, a, in desperate need of protection. Up-and-coming writer uh, Riggie Mamone and artist uh, Max Bertolini from The Witcher and Nathan Niver explode onto the scene with this psychedelic, action-packed bizarre, bizarre noir that uh, feels like John Wick punching through an existential French new wave fever dream. Stylized, action-packed series uh, that's best described as Sin City by way of Better Call Saul. Those are not two
0: things you would normally put together.
1: No, and uh, interestingly, Image are uh, soliciting it alongside, offered again, Image first, Deadly Class, Deadly Class, Volume 1 to 9, and Kill or Be Killed which is a brew baker
0: phillips joint, which is never a bad mm-hmm. thing to be compared to. Absolutely. so Yeah, it, looks, it them, looks, yeah. looks great to me. It has that sort of noir feel to it. It does have a wee bit of a John Wick uh, vibe to the visuals and so forth. So uh, it doesn't state... It just states it's a series premiere. It doesn't state whether it's an ongoing or not. But as Keith says, this is going to be a black-and-white comic as well. The cover does have splashes of colour, but it does, again, um, stick with that black-and-white almost aesthetic. So... One to look forward to there. Uh, Again, with all the image stuff, we've got a lot of great stuff continuing. You know, we've got Ascender, Ice Cream Man, Radiant Black, and so forth.
1: Uh, Ascender's series finale, uh, Moonshine series finale. We've got a new story arc for Radiant Black. Oh, less said about that, the better. Um, I see they have a a Gideon Falls Deluxe Edition, book one hardcover, uh, collecting Gideon Falls 1 to 16.
0: Yep, this is uh, this is very much one of Roddy's favorite titles now. With Gideon Falls, I have only read the first six issues. Uh, it was one of those titles that early on I, I I gave up for a customer my copies with the the proviso I would always uh, catch up again at some point. So I recently actually got a hold of uh, all 27 issues, I believe, off the top of my head. So I will be reading this, but that doesn't mean I won't be picking up this deluxe hardcover edition because mm. Image put together some lovely hardcovers. So this is going to be book one. It's going to cover issues one to 16. So there will definitely be a book two. So just to give you the, the breakdown on this, it's the first book of the Eisner award-winning horror series from Jeff Lemire and Andres Sorrentino. The lives of a washed-up Catholic priest arriving in a small town full of dark secrets and a reclusive young man obsessed with a conspiracy in the city's trash become intertwined around the mysterious legend of the Black Barn. Dan, the otherworldly building alleged to have appeared in both the city and the small town throughout history, bringing death and madness in its wake. Rural mystery and urban horror collide in this character-driven meditation on obsession, mental illness and faith from the creators that writer Brian Michael Bendis said will go down as one of the greatest comic teams of all time. So this is a hardcover collection that uh, features plenty of extras, including variant cover gallery uh, from the likes of Cliff Chiang, Jock, to Tula Luté, Scotty Young, and many more. So Gideon Falls has been pretty much critically acclaimed ever since it came Ooh. out, and I-, I believe it was uh, picked up for a TV show at some point, and it does seem like it would uh, fall under that uh, aesthetic. So,
1: yeah, Gideon it Falls. Is, uh, it is an advanced solicit for September 15, but that doesn't mean you can't order it now from the store. Um, isn't that the case? Absolutely yeah. I mean anything that as soon as
0: it's available for pre-order even if it's an av- advanced solicit we're, we, we don't put a time limit on it we're happy if if you know you, if there's something coming out you want, you let us know um, um,
1: back to the uh, stuff that's out in August and I see Old Head OGN uh, I was attracted to this because the writer, artist and cover are all Kyle Starks uh, who I am a huge fan of since uh, Rock Candy Mountain the, uh, the hobo epic Uh, Volume 1 and 2 back uh, last year, year before. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is action, adventure, humour and horror. Space Jam meets Fright Night in this uh, hilarious action horror as a former baseball star returns home to bury his mother only to learn of her mysterious past, his destiny and to find himself embroiled in a decades-long blood feud with the actual Dracula. Space Jam meets Fright Night in this comedy horror romp perfect for fans of both Rick and Marty and Die Dracula Motherfucker.
0: Yeah, so again, another instance of following the creators right there. I believe he has a new one coming out soon as well. What is it? Uh, the Six Sidekicks of... Yes, that's the one. Yeah.
1: Uh... I can help you no further.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a name there at the end of it. But yeah, just a couple of uh, trades from Image definitely worth pointing out as well. So Radiant Black Volume One's going to hit in August. Again, we, we, we talked for 15, almost 20 minutes about Issue 4 in the last reviews pod. Of course, spoiler-filled, but... Yeah, we can't recommend that series enough. And then another one that we've both been enjoying, it's a horror Western title, and nice to see that it's volume one, not just mm, the only yes. volume. Uh, a title called Two Moons from John Arcudi and Valerio Gianna Giordano, And this is uh, this has been a really good title as well. So that's a, a five-issue collection there. So... Glad to
1: see Man Among You is back as well. Uh, issue six of the, uh, the uh, Stephanie Phillips uh, pirate epic. Uh, quite enjoying that, because you don't see too many pirate epics these days.
0: No, you do
1: not indeed. You've got Die
0: approaching its end this month. It's up to issue 19, so that's going to conclude with an issue 20 there as well. Um, You've got Noctera bringing up an end to its first story arc with issue 6 this month. Uh, Old Guard Tales Through Time hitting issue 5. You've got issue 5 of the Silver Coin. Now, we'd obviously talked before about how that was going to be a 5 issue mini, but that has now been Upgraded to a ongoing. Uh, I see the end of that sentence was the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton reaches number There three. we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you would get there, and then all the usual good stuff continuing, undiscovered country, Walking Dead, etc. So yeah, really strong showing from Image as you would expect, just like every month. Uh, We'll move on then to Dark Horse. And with Dark Horse, we have one of our picks that's on the board. And this is uh, another one of Vicky's picks. And again, this is the the mantra of following the creator. So David M. Bohr, you know, co-creator, writer of Canto, one of our favorites in store, is launching a new sci-fi title through Dark Horse Comics called Killer Queens, number one of four. So he's on writing duties and it's an artist called Claudia Balboni. On this one, so meet Max and Alex, reformed intergalactic assassins for hire, on the run. Also, super gay. Their former boss, a fluffy monkey with a jetpack, is hot on their tail to take back a stolen ship. They gotta eat, so they take a mission from Alex's old flame. Your standard no-kill, casualty-free, kidnapping, recovery from a nearby moon. Only complication, half the moon is ruled by a fascist dictator, hostile to foreigners. They're the killer queen, so what could possibly go wrong? I like that David is referred to here as a rising star. Uh, (laughs) Join rising star David M. and an all-LGBTQ creative team as they tackle issues of love, xenophobia, and the terror of fascist dictatorships in this hilarious sci-fi epic. Has a real Flash Gordon look to it. Uh, The the preview art for this looks pretty great. Monkey with a jetpack. You know, can't go wrong with that.
1: Can't go too far wrong with it. Um, Sticking with uh, with Dark Horse uh, for me, uh, there's a, a trade paperback uh, by, um, by up-and-comer, uh, as I understand it, Sunshine Barbado and penciled by Deborah Carita, Um which, which I understand was uh, crowdfunding a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a, a trade paperback called Mafiosa. Um, it's also a slight, um, slight advance solicit for sale in October. And it says, at the height of the roaring 20s, the daughter of a mafia boss is determined to rise to prominence in her family's business. Nicoletta has aspirations to join her two brothers in the family business and organised crime syndicate running the streets of Brooklyn. Uh, Though her father objects uh, and uh, crisis ensues, Nicoletta takes it upon herself to prove she has what it takes, moving steadfastly into a world of brutality. New York is a new player in town and he ain't seen nothing yet. Combining the romanticism of the Roaring Twenties and Nicoletta's journey into the brazen violence of mafia-dominated New York, Mafiosa sets the, st- the status quo ablaze with style, class and a smoking barrel. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could never go wrong with any sort of Mafioso-based uh, titles. You know, it's a, it's an era that really interests me. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, the, the noir stylings of Brubaker and Phillips we talk so much about and... And Phillips Jr. as well with that Texas blood and so forth. So you you can't beat Noir for me and stuff looking into the mob and the mafia and so forth is always interesting. Uh, Just a couple to point out as well with Dark Horse in terms of their trade. So I've talked a lot about Orphan and the Five Beasts from James Stokoe. So it's hitting trade this month. Wonderful, wonderful title. Chatted loads about it on the, uh, the reviews pod. And then one that Vicky's got on the board as well, which is, it's an interesting one for us to solicit because we have the original volume of this. So we talked before about Canto with the writer David M. Boer. Well, the artist Drew Zucker from Canto uh, worked with writer Philip Seve on a horror title called The House, which was originally a Kickstarter. And, you know, obviously we interviewed David and Drew and, you know, we wanted to get more of their stuff in and... We were able to secure, I think, around 20 copies of the, the Kickstarter graphic novel printing for this. Uh, I think we've only got about three or four left. It's proven very, very popular. So it's uh, it's a horror story set during World War II. Really, really great title. Well, it's now been picked up by a major studio, and Dark Horse are going to be putting out a new printing of it with a new cover. But if you want the original printing, there's only one place in Belfast you can get that. So that is with us. So, uh, But if you exactly. miss out on that... You've got the house being released through Dark Horse Comics in August as well, and then we're going to move on to something I know you're very excited about. We're hitting
1: IDW now, and uh, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Star Trek has uh, has long been a, a very favourite franchise of mine, uh, and uh, the David and Scott Tipton uh, have been doing a great job on. On on the the mirror universe stuff that they've uh, that they have done uh, you know the comics, uh, and I can't remember. There's been like three of them. Uh, the mirror the mirror cracked, wasn't it, or the mirror broken? Um, mm-hmm. uh, there, there was three 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 graphic. Hell's tra- mirror wasn't there? Uh, there was I can't remember what they were called. Give me give me two seconds and I'll and I'll find out for sure. Pretty sure, sure but... there
0: was Hell's mirror and uh, Broken mirror.
1: I'm pretty sure two yeah. of them. And and then there was uh, Terra Incognito. Uh, and it, it sort of follows the star trek mirror you know the, the mirror universe that was made famous throughout the star trek serials uh it was visited in uh it was visited in the original star trek and that's where all of the uh you know spock with the the goatee beard you know evil spock and all of that came in it was visited in deep space nine and I'm, i believe in voyager and has very much been a been a part of uh of discovery but uh they've really explored it through through the, the the comics, through the the David and, and Scott Tipton IDW comics, uh, and following on from that, we're getting uh, we're getting a uh, a mini series, or I guess it's a maxi series, with uh, starting with Star Trek: The Mirror War, number zero, uh, available in August. Uh, David and Scott Tipton in writing, uh, Carlos Nieto uh, as the artist. Uh, get caught up in the uh, Mirror Universe Enterprise D before its crew, helmed by Jean Luc Picard face new threats and, and uh, challenges in the upcoming Mirror War event. Following the failure of the attempt to steal ships from the Prime Universe, Picard and the Mirror crew are called back to Earth to report to the Emperor personally so long as they can survive the trip. So it's always nice to see, you know, the the, the evil turn of your favourite characters, you know, especially a character like like Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> so and, uh, and the crew of the Enterprise Day. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Those, those titles have just you know, really breathe life into the into the Star Trek comics for me, uh, and uh, really, really enjoying them, really enjoying them. Not not to your taste. Alan. I've just
0: never been a big Star Trek guy. Just uh, I don't know if it's too late for me if that fandom has passed me by. I'm sure you would be the first to tell me. Oh, just go back to the start and watch it all. Uh, it's just never been my fandom. You know, for whatever reason.
1: Well, so. there you are. Um. So yeah, just to, I think I've got the. Uh, let me see. What have we got? What have we got here? Uh, the uh, the Murr Broken. There we are. Uh, so the Murr Broken, the Terran Empire, was on its last legs in its war with the Klingon-Cardassian alliance, but jean Picard has learned of a final chance for victory, a revolutionary new galaxy-class starship that could turn the tide. The ship is called the Enterprise, and Picard intends to take it. That continued, and through the Murr, uh, when the Enterprise D discovers a burnt-out pillaged Andorian vessel, uh, the search for the corporates lead to startingly familiar faces, but how did the Murr universe crew find their way to our universe? And what does Emperor Spock have to do with it? Uh, and then lastly, we had Terra Incognito. The Enterprise crew returned to business as usual. Little realizing the serpent in their midst, one of their own has been replaced. It was six stories focusing on fan-favorite crew members of the Enterprise D, each connected with the, the machinations of that sinister Murr were do- double So to this. This continues on from that. I believe it's 10 issues. Would it be right about that, Alan? 10 or 12? Uh, I think so, yeah. It looks like it,
0: it. I know there's going to be tie-ins and stuff to it as well. That I think will be, they're not in this previews book, but I, I know there's a couple of different Star Trek fans who come into the store have been telling me that there will be some tie-in series to it as well. So it looks like it'll be at least 10 all in, all together.
1: Brilliant, um, brilliant. And uh, before we sh- we shift on from IDW, we'll, we'll pick up another, uh, another franchise that uh, Roddy was a huge fan of this particular uh, miniseries, and that's Transformers King Grimlock, number one of five, by Steve Orlando and uh, Agustin Padilla. King Grimlock begins, Grimlock, the beloved powerhouse T-Rex, with an attitude and one of the strongest Cybertronians in existence, finds himself magically transported to a world of fantastical beasts and strange powers. In this savage world with a strong rule with sword and iron, Grimlock finds a new opportunity to prove he's the strongest there is. But as Grimlock and the human barbarian Arco will learn, sometimes brute strength isn't enough. Written by Steve Orlando, with art by Augustine Padilla, Uh, King Grimlock features the iconic Transformers character in a solo adventure through a world of swords and sorcery unlike anything you've ever seen. That does sound interesting, actually. Well, I mean, it seems to be a
0: a busy month for Transformers miniseries. There's also another one I've just spotted here called Transformers Shattered Glass. This is number one of five. Uh, This is written by Danny Lohr and art by Guido Guidi. Uh, So Shattered Glass isn't your average Transformers tale. Shards is the story of the ongoing battle between the power-hungry Autobot autocrats and the freedom-fighting Decepticon laborers. Join author Danny Lohr uh, in exploring this fractured alternate universe just before it shatters. In issue one, many kilocycles after the Cybertronium War has destroyed Earth, Blur, an evil Autobot seeker, hunts his newest bounty who holds a piece of information that could reignite the war. So, yeah, they seem to be jumping on to a few different uh, miniseries for Transformers there. They've obviously got the ongoing series at the moment as well, but it's reaching 34 this month. But a few interesting miniseries set around that as well, so... So yeah, that's IDW. We, of course, make our usual pit stop at Boom Studios because there's always at least one or two titles that will catch the eye here. And this month, it's actually, again, another one of my picks that went onto the board. So another mini series. this is going to be five issues. It's called Eat the Rich, number one. And whoever writes the previews books got me straight away because they said (laughs) it's a horrifying psychological thriller perfect for fans of Stillwater and Nailbiter. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love Neil Biter. I mean, Stillwater's great, but Neil Biter is just another level. Joshua Williamson, Mike Henderson, brilliant, brilliant title. But this one's actually written by Sarah Gailey and illustrated by Pius back. So Sarah Gailey is known for titles such as The Echo Wife and Magic for Liars. The artist Pius Bach has worked on Firefly and also worked on a really good miniseries called The Magicians that, that we have upstairs as well. So What unspeakable horror eats away at the heart of Crestfall Bluffs. With law school and her whole life ahead of her, Joey plans to summer with her boyfriend Astor in his seemingly perfect hometown of Crestfall Bluffs. It's a chance to finally meet Astor's family and childhood friends, all while enjoying a vacation with every need attended to by servants. But beneath the affluent perfection lies a dark, deadly rot. Will Joey discover the truth before it's too late? And if she does, can she survive to tell the tale? described as a bold horrifying psychological thriller so this sounds right up my alley has a little um has a little tiny hint there of what do you call it get out actually as well yeah
1: yeah maybe absolutely
0: was just thinking but yeah some great looking covers for this the interior art looks really really strong and again as soon as they said for fans of neil Bider, i was i was straight in there uh there was also a really interesting-looking original graphic novel hardcover. I don't think we have this on our notes, but I think it's worth mentioning just for the art previews alone. And this is a title called Better Angels: A Kate Warren Adventure. Uh, this is written by Jeff Jensen, who is who worked on actually worked on Watchmen, uh, the mm-hmm. HBO TV show, and it's from the artist of Made in Korea, which has just recently come out from Image Comics. But the art style of this looks awesome. It's a very Victorian era got a little steampunky type vibe to it and it's the story of America's greatest detective told by Eisner award-winning writer Jeff Jensen. So this is an original graphic novel as opposed to a single issue. Uh, It's also an advance solicit, not out until October. But yeah, the solicit for this one is everyone knows the tragic assassination of Abraham Lincoln, but what about the foiled attempt in his first year of presidency? In 1861, America's greatest detective saved the life of her country's greatest president. This is her true story. At a time when the American experiment was at a crossroads and the man tasked with healing the nation was under constant threat. Only one detective was armed with the extraordinary cleverness and versatility to thwart the attempt on his life. Her name was Kate Warren, America's first woman detective. So, uh, yeah, this, this looks really, really interesting. It also says that it's for fans of pulp and velvet. So again, they're, they're speaking our language, Keith.
1: Interesting. Um, interesting. I might, might have a, a wee look back at that. Um, Interested in a, it's another advanced solicit for October, again, can be ordered in the store now by uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man author, Saladin Ahmed, and uh, Sammy Cavella, uh, who was, uh, I guess, known for uh, Machine Gun Wizards or Tommy Gun Wizards, whatever it was known as whenever it came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's uh, the Abbott 1973 hardcover. Uh, I love uh, Multiversity uh, comics quote which says, Step aside, Erica Slaughter, the OG monster hunter is back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ale- yeah, absolutely. Elena Abbott is a tough as neil's reporter with growing powers, but can she save the soul of an entire city? It's nineteen seventy three and Abbott's focused on the most important election in the history in the city's history. But it'll take everything she's got to find out who or what is using dark magic to sabotage the campaign of the prospective first black mayor of Detroit and stop them dead in their tracks. Um, looks really interesting and collects Abbott 1973 number one to five. I know that that in itself is a sequel to the original Abbott uh, series, which I think was another five issue by the same team uh, released back in 2018.
0: I never read the original Abbott, but I've actually collected this and read this uh, in singles Abbott 1973. and It's been great. Really, yeah, really strong title. I,
1: think I meant to get on it at the time and, uh, and I think I forgot to tell you, but I'll maybe pick up the original and then, and then pick up this whenever it comes out in
0: October. We see also August sees the return of Once and Future, hitting issue 19. So we're going on to the fourth arc of Once and Future. So the Karen Gill and Dan Moore title that we love so much. And following... uh, Boris Johnson, I mean, what was the name of the, the fiction fictional just called, Prime, just Minister called the
1: Prime Minister? the Minister. Yeah, Following his uh
0: latest mess up, shall we say? Uh the uh-huh. two worlds have collided and I mean you just look at that front cover alone with that fantasy elements, but with Big Ben in the background and Duncan standing there with sword in face uh, sword in hand and scars on his arms and uh Once in Future just took such a turn with its last issue and I'm really looking really? forward to the return of yeah. that.
1: Um, another advanced solicit for me, I'm afraid, but one I couldn't look past. And that's the Something is Killing the Children book one deluxe edition hardcover. Uh, I am fortunate enough to own uh, all of those 15 original issues uh, in first prints. Um, but this is uh, James Tilling IV, uh, Werther del Derra's uh, The The Archer's Peak Saga uh, for the first time in a single volume. And if you if you haven't been on this you haven't been listening to our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you're or you're immune to our charms. because uh, something is killing the children has been fantastic. Um, to uh, to summarize, the children of Sleepy Wisconsin town begin to go missing, uh, with most never returning, and those that do have disturbing stories of horrific creatures that live in the shadows. There is one person that believes the children and claims, uh, to be the only one who sees what they can see, and her name is What Alan, Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. This is all she does, and she bears the cost because it must be done. Experience the critically acclaimed series by Glad award winning uh, writer James Tinian of Department of Truth and Batman and artist Werther Deladera Dera of Razorblade is like never before. Collect those first 15 issues, and if that's not good enough for you, you can also get the Something is Killing the Children book one deluxe edition, slipcased edition um uh, just in time so you can get on to issue 19 which is released in august but yeah i mean i would be i would be tempted to to buy that for you know the 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 comic and horror appreciator in my life
0: well you see this is the thing yeah i know that you're not a man who you know buys to sell but you know you could sell your something that's killing the children first print collection and probably buy about 10 of those for the money you would get because you know the the. The value in those issues is incredible but it's just always satisfying when you jump on a title just because you think it looks great yeah and then it turns yeah. out to be valuable but uh that's what i always try to tell people in the story you know read what you love if you get lucky with an issue you get lucky with an issue but but yeah those those hard look glorious i'm i'm the same boat as you we've obviously been on sick tick from the start as we know mm-hmm. affectionately call it uh but i will be getting that slipcase edition because that is an absolute masterclass in minimalist design of that slipcase which is just the 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 teeth from the mask from Erica Slaughter and and again, yeah, there there's no excuse for something that's killing children. When you haven't read it. The trade paperbacks are available if you fancy the bigger format. This looks great. I mean it's it's a fifty dollar book, so it'll probably come in around forty five pounds for the the main hardcover, but you're getting fifteen issues worth of material. It's less than three. It's about three pounds an issue, which for some of the not, strongest storytelling, right?
1: No, one of them's a filler.
0: Exactly. All killer, no filler, as some forty-one once said. <laughs> so, very, much.
1: very, very appropriate for that particular book. <laughs>
0: so that's uh, Boom Studios, and yeah, get something going children if you're not on it yet. But uh, yeah, we move on a little bit then to another different uh, publisher. We have a little bit of aftershock love here. Is this uh, is this one that you were having a look at?
1: Well, it was new series from aftershock who uh who have been doing some some cool stuff uh you know of late not least uh, undone by blood uh the two series of it which i've been thoroughly enjoying uh scout's honor as well uh some fantastic series so this is by james patrick uh the writer of kaiju score and breakout artist uh marco lucati but it just looks mad uh it's called uh, Campisi, the Dragon Incident, number one. Uh, I don't know how many issues it's going to be. Sonny, Sonny Campisi is a small-time fixer for the mob-controlled neighbourhood of Green Village. If you don't pay your gambling debt, he'll come and collect. Uh, if you get a little rough with one of his girls, he gets a little rough with you. But when a dragon flies into town and Sonny is the one who's tasked to get rid of it, it's a problem unlike any other he's ever faced. A chain of events begins that will affect everyone who lives in the neighbourhood, especially Sonny. Uh, It's a genre-mashing comedy thriller that plays like one part Get Shorty, one part Dragon Slayer, and all parts absurdly wonderful. (laughs) I mean, that just sounds interesting.
0: Well, it's written by the writer of Kaiju Score, so I am in Mm -hmm. because Kaiju Score was great. Uh, He he clearly loves his big monsters because Kaiju Score was all about a heist taking place during a Kaiju attack. And then in this one, you've got a dragon flying into a mob story. So he he clearly likes his big monsters, so he does. But yeah, Yeah, I'll... I'll jump on that. I mean, Aftershock have been doing some great stuff recently. Uh, another one definitely worth mentioning is one of Roddy's picks, which is just over the page in the previous book in Aftershock, which is God of Tremors. So this is going to be a prestige format one-shot, You know, written by Peter Milligan, who, of course, did great work recently with American Ronin. And the artist I'd mentioned in the uh, in the intro for the DC stuff, Piotr Kowalski, is the artist on this one. So this is a, uh, a one-shot 48-pager. And it's a 19th century Gothic horror of exorcism, demonic worship, and epilepsy. When Aubrey has his first seizure, he's pulled out of school and hidden away in the family's remote country estate. His father, a high ranking English priest, tries to chase the devil out of Aubrey, but maybe the devil lurks in the grotesque pagan effigy that dwells on the grounds, and maybe the devil will turn out to be Aubrey's only ally. A singular tale of nightmarish terror and creeping enlightenment told against a backdrop of ignorance and brutality. God of Tremors springs from the fertile imagination of award winning writer Peter Milligan and illustrations from Piotr Kowalski, who was also the artist on a title that you really enjoy, Keith.
1: Join the future, yeah, absolutely. Um, that sounds suitably Lovecraftian.
0: And it's interesting that they're experimenting with format a little bit as well, you know, doing it as, as a prestige format one-shot, almost like an annual, mm. but for an indie title. So it's uh, it's good to see something a little different with that. Roddy sold me on that one. Yep. And then I've just two more, just to mention quickly before we finish up again, both uh, choices from the Rodster. So one of them is from a creator, Maria Lovett. Uh, this is one called Maria Lovitz Porcelain. This is by Ablaze Comics. Uh, so for this one, it is Maria Lovett is one of those artists that sort of focuses on strong female characters, hints of horror and sexuality. She's done a few different things, Eros Psyche, she did one called uh, Faithless as well with Brian Azzarello writing that. So for this one it is Beryl's life in the desert living with her aunt and her cat is relatively simple until she finds and enters the dollhouse. Stuck inside a never changing mystery house that hunts children and turns them into dolls, Beryl goes on a psychedelic journey where she must face the notion of her own limitations and move past them before she becomes the building's newest prey. Porcelain is a labyrinth of a psychologically thrilling experience told in a way that only acclaimed creator Maria Lovett can tell it. So pretty special looking preview art for that one suitably creepy sounding it's uh a horror teen horror thriller as it is uh solicited as and uh some really good praise for her previous work in the previous book as well there is a nice variant cover there actually by sabine rich which is a a take slash homage to uh batman harley quinn with the joker and harley quinn dancing so hmm. there's that and then just the very last one that's going to wrap us up for both this episode and the indie book is from Vault Comics because we've nearly always a Vault title as well. So Roddy's uh, picked out one called Dead Box. Uh, this is written by Mark Russell, who of course is working at the moment on Fantastic Four Life Story. Uh, the artist on this one is Benjamin Tiesma. So Deadbox, welcome to the town of Lost Turkey, where the main source of entertainment is a cursed DVD machine that seems to know more about the fate of its citizens than they do again part of the vault nightfall terror imprint and that just sounds suitably 80s schlock horror so i can see that why that appealed to a child of the 80s such as roddy so that is dead box to finish off the previous book for this month so i think we can both agree our wallet is going to take a pounding in august Uh, that was a lot of good stuff
1: yeah great stuff it's going to be a August is going to be a big, big old month. What's the what's the cut-off date for uh, for ordering,
0: Alan? So I believe the cut-off date for this one is the twenty-third of June. So it'll be three weeks this Wednesday, this New Comic Book Day. If our comics arrive, of course, they've been delayed due to the. Uh, the bank holiday. But yeah, the cutoff point for orders is going to be the 23rd of June. But as ever, that's the initial cutoff date. There'll always be another chance to top up our orders a month before things come in. So even if you come late to this pod or discover us a wee bit later, always get in touch if there's certain titles coming out. It's not a case of they must be ordered by then or we can't get them. You know, we'll always do our best to, to get people sorted. But it certainly does help out with our pre orders, knowing, you know, the the sort of volumes we have to order and what people are interested in. So. As ever, if you have a pull list with us, just get in touch. Whether it's through the social media profiles or popping into the store, we can get titles added for you. Or if you want to set up a pull list that's something you're interested in, pop into the store. We can certainly have a wee chat, or or again get in touch through the socials, and uh, we'll certainly get you sorted. There's there's no minimum or maximum amount of titles needed for a pull list of coffee and heroes. So uh, just come in and and have a chat. And we'll we'll get you started. So. Uh, I will expect no doubt a lovely little PDF of your choices very soon because you're one of our most organized people.
1: <laughs> Can can't help it.
0: You've can't been you've it. been doing this a while. You've been doing this a while. <laughs> yeah, <can't>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so that's gonna bring an end to it for us there. So once again, that is the June previews for titles shipping in August and beyond. So a massive thanks as always to Keith for going through these titles with me and uh Loved getting up, it. and getting us pumped for the month of August. So Brilliant we will we shall leave it there we're off to read some comics because we're behind on our reviews this week certainly are see you on the next pod
1: (laughs) good night